whenever I get emotional or caught up in something mm. to pause and reflect in that kind of perspective. It's like, okay, there's all these external things that are happening. Mm. I can't control that. <laughs> but I can control how I interpret those events and then how I react to those events. Yep. And then that kind of gives me my power back and kind of bring, grounds me back to, okay, this is my reality that I am shaping, that I have the ability to manipulate and control and influence right now. Mm. Those things are out of my control, so I can't, I should not even worry about those. here stoked I'm, I'm it's nice to to talk with you ironically as i mentioned we were both at camp fest i don't know was that four years ago camp mograph camp mograph sorry yeah uh, two and a half years ago or something like that and i thought i saw you and i know i did but i was i was like either too shy or i wasn't sure if it was you and i didn't want to come up and bother you but so now we're meeting uh via digital form which is good but <laughs> yeah yeah and i've been uh, rapidly consuming all the things that you've made. I remember being really impressed and really kind of motivated as most people are, I think with the work that you've been putting out there within your space and how you've shared mm -hmm. your love of making things with the world. And then I've literally that happened and then I got really busy and then I refound mm -hmm. you again and then uh -huh. and I was like, oh, my goodness, like they've gotten better. <laughs> so <Right>. I just <laughs> want to thank you personally, because um, and I'll get into this further. But like the work that you've been putting out there has a significant core value for me. And I think a lot of people mm -hmm. as well. You're you're giving a lot of good stuff out there that I think that. Mm -hmm in the YouTube space is very noisy with a lot of used car salesmen slick kind of, <laughs> yeah. it's really grimy. It makes me feel gross, you know, uh, right. and your work and the things that you've created. I don't even want to call it content because I think that even puts it in a place that I don't think right. it belongs. <laughs> <laughs> um, prepare for lots of flattery. It's, in, uh, um, but no, it's, 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 it's been fantastic and, and I really appreciate it. And it's, it's a high goal post, I think for anybody that's making, work about sharing themselves and their lives with. So it's been great. So thank you. Thank you, Matthew, for being here. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, thank you for having me. And that feeling is very much reciprocated. I've been following your career, you know, <laughs> ever since I started uh, motion design. Oh. And um, obviously, uh, you've been a really big pillar in the community as somebody who has pursued um, the art and, you know, the that this is the Lexus quote, like the pursuit of perfection, right? And mm -hmm. the pursuit of expression. And I think mm -hmm. you've been a really good pillar for that. Somebody for me to witness and aspire towards just to see somebody's like, okay, forget about all the other stuff. And then the noise aspect of, of motion design. And like, what about the art, like the beauty of like making something that's very expressive for what's in here so that you could wear it on your sleeve for other people to see and experience. So that's one thing that I automatically connected with you and your work um, since the early, early days. And I know you've been uh, really pushing for that. And that's been a big 
core message, at least from what I can extract uh, externally as an observer. Wow. I appreciate that. And I'm glad that's coming through because that is the intention. The intention is to live that artist's life, whatever that is, but it's just to have... Mm-hmm. You know, I, I was riding my bike the other day and I was thinking about you and all the stuff you've been putting out. And because so, sometimes when I ride, I go, it's very intense. I'm like going really fast and it's this whole thing. But I have meditative thoughts that happen when I'm doing it. And yeah. I was thinking to myself that you're putting, you can make anything cool if you follow it with your authentic love of things. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. And yes. I feel like when I'm consuming the things that you're putting out there, like I, it's, it's like, it's like, let's talk about the topic of mechanical keyboards for a while there. I was like, oh, I want to get into this. And then I, I think we talked about like using the difference between the Mac and the PC and how to bridge over. This is a while ago. Mm-hmm. We were talking with the MX yeah, master yeah. and Logitech and jumping between the machines and all this kind of stuff. And, and then I went in, I got into mechanical keyboards and then I saw that you did, but you went like super mm-hmm. into it. <laughs> And I watched yes. all your videos and it reinvigorated my love of this weird thing, like keyboard love. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, it, it's like, it's, mm-hmm. it's really cool. It, it's what I'm, what I'm getting at is that I love that you're sharing your authentic love of things. Like it's, it's kind of a rare mm-hmm. thing where I feel like a lot of people out there, I don't know if this feels true for you, but people follow the wrong route. You know, I feel like mm-hmm. you're, you, they, they're like, oh, this is trending or this is cool. I'm going to, I'm going to get into this thing or so. Mm-hmm. How have you found your North Star with a lot of things? Like, how have you said, this is who I am. This is what I'm interested in. I don't care if other people think it's not cool. I'm going to make it cool mm-hmm. my style, you know, which is what mm-hmm. I see and I feel with your work, which is really cool. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I think um, I'm sure you have this same feeling because I could see that in your work as well. But for me, it's like I, I've know that there's a lot of noise out there Mm. and one thing that i've noticed been able to witness about other people who are very successful and successful meaning um achieving the thing that they want to achieve their goals Mm. have just been so laser focused at putting their heads down and doing the work and focusing on the things that they want to do there's plenty of things that are always going on things that are changing tools you know ai like just the whole (laughs) landscape is is always changing the world is always changing that that part has never changed right like i think people always hold on to this idea it's like oh the good old days when this used to be this way and it's like no the whole world is in constant motion constant change and so are we Mm. But a lot of those things, you just really have to be able to kind of block out a lot of those things and then realize why. Mm. Why am I doing the thing that I want to do? And I think for the most part, a lot of people don't ask themselves that question. Mm. They see it's like, okay, this is a new trend on Instagram or whatever social platform and I want to grow my account, so I'll do it. Mm. And then they'll just keep changing. (laughs) Every time the wind blows, they'll kind of change direction. And they stay surface level and all they'll ever be known for is just the person who also followed trends like everybody else. And I think that's where most people, they just don't end up standing out. Like they might grow and their metrics and numbers might uh, explode because they're really good at following trends. But I think the ones who don't know how to navigate post that, right, after they've gone viral or after they've gotten popular, You know, what do you do with that? What do you do with a thousand likes, a million likes? Like, what is what is that even worth? Mm-hmm. And I think people who don't have a clear why 
don't know what to do with that after. Hmm. So for me, um, I think as I'm going to be 39 this year, so I'm getting yeah. older. I was going to ask you, yeah, that was my next a, big question. Is that, how old are you? Yeah. yeah. We're close. I'm 40, so we're, we're right there, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, it's like I've had a good enough, um, lots of road behind me, right? Mm. And, you know, I, I pursued all kinds of silly things in my younger days, and I'm probably still pursuing a lot of silly things now, and I'm okay with that. Mm. I just know that as I get older, hopefully I'm getting wiser because I make a lot of mistakes, and I get to learn from the mistakes and and victories and successes of other people that I get to witness around me. Mm. So in that, I just feel like, okay, I could keep trying to chase the thing that's going to get me the most attention, or I can just focus on the thing that I really love right now that I could really sink my teeth in and go beyond the surface level because everybody's surface level these days Mm. let me go like 10 steps deep Mm. for something like mechanical keyboards and then what what will happen from there and that's just my gut my intuition and usually that kind of blossoms into something unexpectedly beautiful Mm. that I had no expectation of Mm. so I'll give you an example I think I really took the deep dive into custom mechanical keyboards about two-ish years ago. Um, now I have maybe, I don't know, 20 keyboards <laughs> that I've built. And, you know, like I, I'm like really deep both into the things I've collected, the things that I've learned, the people that I've met. Mm. And mm. what's happened with this is like not only am I passionate about custom mechanical keyboards, now I'm designing products in this space. Yeah, I love that. So I'm crossing over the the things that threshold I love doing as a maker, as a designer, mm-hmm. into the thing that I'm already very passionate about. And it's like once those two things kind of overlap and sync, mm. then all of a sudden you're moving so fast yeah. and going so deep because you're exploring territories that other people cannot see if they stay on the surface level. Yeah. It's fucking awesome. I love it. I can see it too. Um, you know, what's great about what you're doing is you're documenting your progress and your journey. So you go from, and I'm going to say obsession and I mean it. I think it's an obsession. You have an obsessive, mm-hmm. which is, and w- when a lot of people think that obsessive is attached to something negative, I don't think it's a negative mm-hmm. thing when it's something positive outcome. I think obsession right. can be bad if right. it's towards a, something that's harmful. But like you said, it's like, okay, and I can see it. We have similar paths where you love a certain thing to the point where you want to take it apart to understand how it's made. So you want to see how the magic's made. This is, Mm -hmm. this is when obsession turns into curiosity. Curiosity turns into an adventure. And I love that Mm because that's really, Mm. I mean, what the hell are we doing here? You know, right. <laughs> right. Like, I don't know. I don't have the answer, but I'm pretty sure once I'm gone, that's it. So let's just keep writing and have a good, a good time and celebrate that. Right. And let our curiosities. Right. I always say my art is a vessel to explore curiosities. That's literally the, the mm-hmm. whole intention of art. That's from me, you know, and mm-hmm. everything along with the ride. So I love. So let's just talk about mechanical keyboards and unravel this thing, for example, because it's something we both kind of mm-hmm. love. But you've gotten way further than me. But the thing mm-hmm. I love about you create you just did the circle. So those of you that are listening that might not have caught it is what I think you're saying is that your obsession turned into curiosity or your curiosity turned to obsession. That obsession then turned you into becoming a maker of things. 
which mm-hmm. made you help you understand the cycle. And now you're in harmony with that, which is fantastic. Mm-hmm. This is, you're talking mm-hmm. about the Grove made collaborations and then potential mm-hmm. other things that you're interested in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I've never heard it described as a circle, mm. that full circle coming in. So that's a, that's novel to me. So thank you for sharing that. Yeah, you're uh, writing concept. it down with your perfect pen in here. Awesome yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I think the way that I've looked at it is ov- always, and, and this is only something that's happened, I would say over the past few years, mm. it's not like, I can't say that I've I've um, intentionally done this my whole life. Maybe I have, mm. but I've only been aware of it in the past few years. Yeah, And it's this idea of overlapping and condensing efforts mm. for like the biggest impact possible. Yeah. Um, well, as you get older, you realize that the time is the biggest value. So what you do with it mm-hmm. is everything. If you don't manage mm-hmm. your time right, it's just you're literally wasting your life. And as you right. get older, you're like, oh, shit, I only have so much of this left. And I also I mean, right. I'm, I'm going to jump here, but I, I think it's also because you became personally sovereign to, and aware after post COVID. I think a lot of people realize, oh, shit, mm-hmm. it's a reset. You know, I've been living mm-hmm. and working from home for 12 some odd years. So when COVID happened, I was like, well, I mean, the that's it. I mean, I, there's really not that big of a difference other than, <laughs> right. you know, I mean, other than obviously the <laughs> pandemic, but. Um, right. But I was worried. So when you started working from home and then you were like, well, I want my home to be awesome. And then you're like, well, I'm mm-hmm. obsessive. So I want to I'm, I'm giving you words. I don't know if this is accurate, but yes, but it makes sense that you have become self-aware of this because you've given yourself sovereignty. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Like where you're like, this is my time now. I'm going to sit and think about what I want. You know, is this true? Yes. Yeah. And I think it's just because at least in the pandemic for me, I would, I was working in the office over at blind and the future, um, out in Santa Monica with Chris though. So it's like I had peers and people to congregate with, share ideas with and build uh, a company Mm. with. Right. And that for me, like one core driver for me is like, I love helping people. Mm. That's a, that's a big thing. That's a big thing. That's a part of me. So being in that space, being in in that environment, um, really brought that out of me. Mm. When the pandemic happened, um, what happened is we all became isolated and all of a sudden that beautiful exchange of ideas and energy was gone from my life. Mm. So I always told Christo, who was my teacher back at Art Center in mm. 2006, mm-hmm. I've, I've known this guy for a long time. Yeah, and wow. Eventually I became his intern and then freelancer and employee. Mm. It's like I told Chris all the time, it's like, as long as I'm learning something, I'm going to stay here. Mm next to you working with you because he's a hyper learner he's a smart yeah, guy yeah. and i just love the way that he thinks and it's like i'm drafting behind that and through osmosis i'm learning a lot so <laughs> it's like as long as i'm learning something i'm gonna stick around mm-hmm. and then it was covid that kind of broke all of that mm-hmm. where it's like okay I, I don't have this mentor figure in my life anymore i do but i have to schedule a zoom call with this guy to try to have a casual conversation you know it's it's weird yeah, it's a different dynamic versus just being in the office, it's like, all right, let's go grab lunch and then things will just happen. Yeah. Right. Because we're all in the same momentum, like heading in the same direction mm-hmm. where something like COVID just like, OK, we know we have a goal, but we don't really know what each other is quite doing in the same capacity is as if you were in person. So that mm-hmm. detachment, 
gave me a lot of space. It's like, okay, well, my work is done. Mm-hmm. And it just became about the work, at least for my relationship to the, the those companies. And um, and then I had a lot of uh, time to for introspection. Mm-hmm. It's like, what is well, wh- what do I want? It's like, okay, I'm doing the work, but what am I getting out of it? Mm-hmm. And it sounds selfish to say that, but I think really. that is an important is question that we all have to ask. This is how you get to <laughs> the why lives. you just mentioned, you know? Like, how do yeah. you get to the why if you don't be selfish and ask yourself these questions? Yeah. Right. It's healthy. It's mentally healthy. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So many people don't get selfish with themselves to ask themselves why I'm doing this thing. They don't realize that the best version of themselves is the best thing for the world. Because mm-hmm. the worst version mm-hmm. of yourself is the worst version for the world. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. right. You get in in traffic, you want to punch somebody, it's because you're not aligned with yourself. When you're in your best self, right. you're just like, ah, who cares? Cut me off. I don't care. Right. You, know? <laughs> right. you can't phase me, right. you know, because right. I'm already the best version. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. And that, I mean, that's a daily practice and yeah. something you just get better with over time. Yeah. Right. It's um, one kind of um, philosophy that I'm really into is Stoic philosophy. Yes, I was just going to bring that up. Stoicism. Right. Yeah, Stoicism. Yeah. Right. Stoicism. Yeah. So the idea that you can't control anything external, yeah. but you can control everything internal. Yeah. How you think, act, and react to things. And to me, like that has been something that has been very powerful for me to just whenever I get emotional or caught up in something mm. to pause and reflect in that kind of perspective. It's like, okay, there's all these external things that are happening. Mm. I can't control that. But I can control how I interpret those events and then how I react to those events. Yeah. And then that kind of gives me my power back and kind of bring, grounds me back to okay, this is my reality that I am shaping, that I have the ability to manipulate and control and influence right now. Mm. Those things are out of my control, so I can't, I should not even worry about those. I've been searching for stoicism my whole life, and I've just found it in like my late 30s. And it's, mm-hmm. it's Same here. and actually it's hitting me perfectly because, and also I think there's a lot of misinterpretations with stoicism. People think like, oh, if you're stoic, you're, you know, you, you look at the world jaded and all these things. That's actually the opposite. Mm. You should feel everything. Marcus Aurelius, mm-hmm. all these people from that are much different worlds, they were very emotional and they felt death and they had deal, dealt with death and all these different things. But the way, like mm-hmm. you said, the outside world, you cannot control it. But what you can mm-hmm. control is your interface with the world, mm-hmm. how you mm-hmm. interact with it, what you give to it. And that's such mm-hmm. a difficult thing to deal with, I think, especially, I mean, n- n- there's always been a time in, in humanity in our psychology that that's been difficult to allow the outside. Right. You have a loved one that you've invested your life into and then they get hit by a car or get cancer or something. And it's like, right. You all you do is you go, the, you get humbled. The world, the life says you are nothing. <laughs> right. And then all right. you can say is, well, fuck. I can just right. be, if every day I wake up and if I'm having even just a better day that it's like, I'm, I'm, I'm beating the odds, you know, which is a humble thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's cool. I, when did you encounter stoicism? Uh, probably around six or so years ago. Mm. Who and introduced I you to think, it? Uh, I just, it might've been through a podcast uh, podcast interview probably with um, Daily. I forget the author's last name now. It's like Ryan, Ryan Daly. I think Holiday. Is it Ryan Daly? 
Yeah, yeah, Ryan Holiday, yeah, Ryan yeah, Holiday. Yeah. Yes. He's got the, so the Daily fa- Stoic or something like that. The Daily Stoic, yeah, yep. yeah. Yeah, so I found my way into his work and then a few other people. But, like, he was a really good one. Um, uh, like, The Obstacle is the Way, I think, was a big That's book. A, that was a hard one for me to get through, too, honestly. I have a huge mm-hmm. ego, and I'm fully aware mm-hmm. of it. And I love that I have a big ego. I Thank God mm-hmm. I can believe in myself at this level, whatever God or whatever. Mm-hmm. But... Yeah, it was hard for me because it was like contradicting to my ego. Is like, dude, this is crap. But I was like, the truth hurts sometimes, you know, and it's yes. important to listen to those things and, and to also acknowledge the fact that you are just a, a, always a student of life, you know. Um, but mm-hmm. sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt, but that's so yeah. the obstacle is the way that book mm-hmm. did it. When you read it, did you have friction with it or did you read? Did it hit you and permeate? Uh. No, that hit me and permeated. For some reason, a lot of books are like that. I don't, at least in recent history, once somebody recommends a book and I start either reading it or listening to it, because I'll, you know, I'll, I'll check it out first and maybe like seeing what other things, short form content they have out there or read the synopsis of it. So once I've said, okay, there's some decent ideas in this book or this piece of content, I'm going to go in so I put all those things aside and usually I put on my student hat where it's mm. like I know nothing mm. and uh, the the world is reveal being revealed to me from another lens mm. through this author's work beautiful and that's what I really enjoy about a book like that mm. or other authors is that they show the same world that I've experienced but with completely different eyes mm. and ears and so I get to hear the thoughts of this person and how they've interpreted it through a series of their you know personal experiences and mm. and how they feel and have reacted to things so ryan holiday i mean he's an interesting author because he has his perspective he's had his own egos and things that he's had to deal with in his own life big big events but what i like is that he kind of filters through the past stoics and uh different stories so yeah, seneca he shares yes. multiple perspectives right mm-hmm. so it just helps me kind of see the same problem or issue or something that we deal with from multiple vantages or viewpoints so that just really helps me understand my own life a little bit better because it takes me out of looking at my whole life from this perspective and then i go to the other side of the room and look at the same thing it's like oh Mm. that's what the back of my head looks like right (laughs) or that's what you know like i i didn't know because Mm. i kept looking at it i could only see it from right here Mm. and you know it's that it's kind of that same phenomenon so that was a long way of saying that i learned a lot from his book and i was very open Mm. to his and many other authors works i love that you go in with i'm going to think about that when i approach these books because i do the same way but i've not materialized it in the sense of i'm putting on my student hat i think that's fantastic because you're compartmentalizing your perspective so that you can then absorb as much as possible your ego gets out and then you're just like okay let me just take this in a good author a good storyteller a good uh purveyor of words can transcend those barriers because oftentimes uh, i don't mean to be a jerk but sometimes i read a book and i'm in the middle i'm like this 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 is not good it's just not mm-hmm. there's no flow to it and stuff and maybe it is good i just don't have the, the palette for it or whatever but a great book though mm-hmm. i i you so another thing there's been a lot of things that you've done that's changed my life for the better this recent thing that you've turned me on to i've heard of notion it's sitting in the back of my head people whisper about it and i've heard heard about mm-hmm. it mm-hmm. i'm watching your videos and i'm like this is fucking rad this is cool i like desk stuff and i like building things and then and then you're like mm-hmm. and then i'm using notion and i'm like okay what's this notion thing and then i 
then I fall into it and I, and I, and I realize, mm-hmm. oh my God, my whole life I've been absorbing all these books. I mean, my whole, my whole room is filled yeah, with books. I can see it. Yeah. And that's just one wall. Every wall basically has books everywhere. Um, I love mm-hmm. books, but you know, I was thinking my whole life that I could just read a book and absorb it. That is the most falsified <laughs> thought that I've ever had. And yeah. <laughs> the irony that it took me all this time to realize it. There's, there's been this epiphany that happened to me. Check this out. So I'm obsessive like you. Mm-hmm. So I go, okay, let me mm-hmm. learn, let me learn notion. So I go and I go full saturation for a week. Everything mm-hmm. I need to learn everything, building templates, databases, how this link, Oh, PPV system, all of this stuff. Uh, the, what you call it, the second brain thing. And, and then the Tiago Silva's, uh, mm-hmm. you were telling me about that too, para method and all this stuff. Uh, yep. And I was like, Oh, okay, cool. This is all cool. And then I realized how do I digitize all my books? Cause when I read, I, I, you know, I take notes and I do the mm-hmm. highlighter thing, but let's be honest. My whole ecosystem of reading is I buy a book. I sit there with it. I give it the time. I acknowledge things. I pull out highlights mm-hmm. that is important to me at that time. I put the bell on the shelf and then I go, yeah, that book was good. And then it, nothing permeates for long term. Yes. Yes. So I bought a Kindle. Okay. Nice. Okay. Now I have the Kindle. I have like 200 books on here. I take these books. I highlight it. Then I translate all my highlights and notes from the Kindle directly into my Notion library database. So at any nice. point in time, if I and I connect it all using the para method and the and PPV basically, mm-hmm. which is like. This book connects to this tangible thought, that thing. So whenever I'm trying to search mm-hmm. something in my own personal Wikipedia, boom, mm-hmm. I can find it instantly. And it's my own perspective. You did that. You you gave me that seed to go check out Notion. You didn't tell me, but I was like, this is an interesting tool. You're a purveyor of thought. Mm-hmm. This is an interesting thing. And then I went full savage mode like I normally do. Right. <laughs> and then, so thank you. This has been this has been a huge yeah. upgrade. And I spend I, I read for 30 to 60 minutes minimum a day and I just absor- nice. absorb as much as possible. I'm currently reading. Um, I've read this book before, but I'm reading it again called Spark Joy by Mari Kondo. Marie, Marie mm-hmm. Kondo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Marie Kondo. Yeah. yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. But anyways, thank yeah, you. So <laughs> you're welcome. Yeah. Um, I, it's for reading books. The funny thing is I, I love consuming knowledge, mm-hmm. but I don't like reading books. I don't personally enjoy it. I don't go out of my way to read any books and I completely guilty. I probably have finished maybe 1% of all the books that I've even mm, started. That's an honest. Most yeah. of Yeah. yeah. And, and the reason why is because I already understand the concept. Mm. So for most books, it's like, and, and I learned this, like, I, I think I inherently had done this, but um, because I, I think I'm a type of personality where it's like, once I get it, it's like, I'm done. Okay, I can apply it already. Yeah. The moment I understand how I can apply it, I don't need to read anymore mm. because it's more important that I apply it than for me to understand the complete idea. Mm. And that will get me in trouble sometimes, you know, like, okay, I'm going down this path. It's like, oh, I should have read a little bit more and yeah. and understand where the landmines are. But, you know, sometimes I have to learn the hard way like that. But the, the person who kind of put this kind of way of thinking in into like a formal process was I was reading the book Limitless by Jim Quick. Mm, I've read that, but I don't remember it. So, yeah, <laughs> well, there was there was one chapter in there that I thought was amazing that helped me just see content consumption in a very different way, mm. which is he's like, 
You know, there's a lot of books that we read for knowledge, but most of it just evaporates, yeah. right? How many times have you picked up a book and then you don't absorb any of no it? No one does, really. No one yeah. does, right. We're brains so for thinking, like not for uh, storing. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So he said, before you read this next chapter, ask yourself a question. What do you want to get out of this next chapter? That will help you search and find the thing that you want and only extract that information. Mm. Everything else is just noise. Mm -hmm. Yeah, our fluff. So It's filling pages. Yeah, yeah. it's fluff. Yeah. And it's not that it's not good. It's just not relevant to you right now. Yeah. So there's no way for you to apply it. So it's like we, uh, Chris likes to say this all the time. Christo, it's like we're information rich. Mm-hmm. Mm, right. right. Learning how to navigate that is probably like one of the most important oh, it's massive. tools or skills that we need today. Yeah. Right. Because saturation, you can know anything. Exactly. Yeah. You could Google search it or find any book. Like you can find anything you want. Yeah. But it's like, what are you trying to do with it? Yep. And that goes back to our conversation earlier, the why. Like, okay, you can build a social audience somewhere or you can put out all this work. But why? Yes. Yeah. And if you understand why, then you'll see how the pieces connect and how they link together and how they can become something meaningful to your life and to other people that experience it. Yeah, it's, this is the intention. This is the reason. Mm -hmm. And if you don't have it, yeah, we are, we are, we're data rich. We're also, mm -hmm. we're also data dumb. We're also data numb too. It's yeah. like, it's cause, yeah. and, and that's a perfect example. Like, you can be data rich, but you can, let's use an analogy of being on a freeway. You can have the most amazing freeway in the most free country of all these things, but you could be stuck in a, in a traffic jam. The moment mm. you can figure out how to fly over everybody, that's the trick. And, and this is why I said that this, this whole unlock for me. So if you're listening to this and you're into books and stuff, like ask yourself, read a book. Then next week, ask yourself to distill at least one concept accurately. I guarantee you, you probably can't nail it as close as you think you can. Your ego tells you so. Give it a month if you do nail it. The thing is, what I'm saying is, as our memory is is fraught with failure. You know, the, did you ever see that research they did on 9/11? And they asked all these different people that were faced with 9/11, survived 9/11, but they were close to it or further away from it. They all mm -hmm. had different re recreations of the same thing. This is when the brain right. is under trauma. So that's a different thing. The right. memory system is highly flawed, basically. But it is also mm -hmm. flawed when you are consuming a book, going into it to extract, and then you jump off to have dinner or another thing. Your brain mm -hmm. goes, okay, I got to be this social creature. Now I'm going to be absorbing this thing. And it's too much to ask of your brain. So building a digital second brain system of the knowledge that I want, because I love knowledge, but I'm same mm -hmm. as you. I get a problem where I'm like, I hate not finishing this book, but it's like, uh, come on, man. I already, you've said <laughs> right. this thing to me for the past 30 yes. pages. Like, and yes. maybe I need to hear it that many times, but I, yeah, I'm similar to you where if I get the concept, I don't need to sit with it anymore. I, it's clear to me. I can just act upon mm -hmm. it, you know? Um, mm -hmm. but I don't know. That's a tough one. When was the last time we're going to get deep here? When was the last time that you were emotional enough to cry? And do you know why it was? Um, that's a hard one. I feel like I do get emotional a lot of times in my personal relationships. Mm -hmm. So with my wife, my family members, like I can get pretty emotional in a good way. Usually what it is, it's like a pause and reflection of, how grateful I am to have 
these people in my life, mm-hmm. right? To have an, a nurturing environment and then also to have the challenges that come with it, right? And so th- those are the things that both make me feel kind of joy- joyful and grateful, but then also realizing that, you know, I'm going through something very challenging and if I want to maintain a particular relationship or keep it healthy I have to go through the difficult parts mm. in order to get to the other side to get to the next level of that relationship and and continue on if it's a choice of wanting to continue these relationships with you know friends family people mm. um, so it, it, that's kind of like a broad way of saying that it's it happens all the time mm. when it comes to personal relationships but I don't feel very emotional about professional work. Okay. I think I get very excited about that, mm. mostly because of what we can produce at the end. Mm. And I think that's the only kind of real feeling that I have towards it. Everything else kind of just feels like work. And it's like I'm just like heads down and do it. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. It sounds like you're really good at compartmentalizing things as well, too. And if you're able to keep mm-hmm. your social, personal, world relationship like family and and your your wife and stuff in this category of your emotions and then work in this other one that's probably really healthy because i've come to the consensus that there is no such thing as work-life balance i've tried it Mm -hmm. i've tried so many different Mm -hmm. things maybe that's just me throwing in the towel with it but or maybe that's me seeing the picture clearly and realizing you can't tell me this is there's a thing of balance with this thing but (laughs) yeah right yeah I, i guess there is like the thing that you mentioned in the beginning of your observation of me is literally mm-hmm. me being in love with art and me being in love with right. art means I cry and means I feel, right. feel all the pain of it, you know, so, <laughs> mm-hmm. which is tricky. Mm-hmm. I love seeing you and your dad do stuff. That is oh, so cool, that. dude. I love that. I can yeah. see, I, I'm, I'm going to, I don't know if this is true, but I can see, cause my dad's a carpenter. He's a journeyman and, and he, and he's a, a true, uh, like a real man, you know, like, I don't know how to say other than like, he's just, he knows how to build things. He's one of the last generations of people that care about building their own things. And, um, mm-hmm. I, I love seeing your connection with your dad. I know what's, what I love is that you don't do these weird cheesy interviews where you're taught, you just have you <laughs> and him and your brother working on stuff. Uh-huh. And, and I could tell like, without that, that's like, how could you do what you do? Like they're huge. Right. This is a massive, right. you know, which yes. uh, building and creating things. Is that come from your pops or how, how did that come about? Like, what's your love of building things? I, you know, it's definitely, he's a big influence uh, there. I've been very fortunate to always be in very good nurturing environments ever since I was very young. My parents, my family, they always encouraged my creativity. Mm-hmm. They never hindered wow. it. Right. So if they knew that I was into the arts and see me drawing and sketching all the time, mm. you know, for my birthdays or Christmas, they would get me art supplies. Wow. It's beautiful. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So Filipino I, I, too, I, right? I, so they weren't like, go be yeah. a nurse or a doctor or something like that. So yeah. <laughs> Thankfully, yeah. grateful. You know, I'm, I'm very grateful that my parents never put that pressure wow. on me. Shout out to your um, parents. That is fantastic. I know. <laughs> Wonderful people. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And I'm so grateful for that. And like, I, they never even pushed me to go to college. Mm. But I think, I don't know if that was because 
they didn't care or if they just were unaware of how the system works here in the States, right? Because, oh, okay. like, even me, like, I was probably going through and finishing my junior year in high school. I was like, oh, shoot, I have to do all this stuff if I want to get into university. I was like, well, that ship has sailed. You know, I didn't, I wasn't paying attention to that. Um, but it's just a way of, to go back to your question, it's like, yeah, I, I, the things that I've learned from my dad mostly is resourcefulness. Mm. Uh, growing up, uh, my, both my parents are immigrants and they came here with not a lot of things and they've had to build a life here. And I think the way that they were able to do that is to just be very, just scrutinize waste, mm. right? And it's like, okay, do we have to buy a new thing or can we use the old thing? Or can we rebuild something that we already have, a makeshift version of what we have in order to make, fulfill mm the challenge or problem that we have. So I'll give you a couple of examples where I didn't real, realize this until, you know, I've become a maker myself mm -hmm. and, and an adult myself. Where when I was younger, my dad built a lot of things for us. Um, like for me and my brother, he built uh, an entire bunk bed. And I was like, oh, shoot, like I didn't. I, I took that for granted sure. when I was a kid. I was like, my dad would ask, like, hey, you know, you, you want this thing? Or we would ask him and then he would build it. Or like an entertainment center, like cabinets and everything for our TV and everything. And like he built that. Most people, they just buy those things, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. It's like, okay, I have a problem. I need to put my TV somewhere or my bed somewhere. Uh, wh what's the thing we can buy? Mm -hmm. But for him, it's like, oh, I don't want to spend money. I'd rather save it. Mm -hmm. What tools and materials do I already have? How can I repurpose something? And he would use scrap wood, you know, he would use scrap things sure. or just be very frugal about what he spent money on. Mm. And he's still that way today. Like I go to their house all the time and I see they've found something. It's like, oh, somebody was throwing this away. So we rebuilt it and turned it into a new holder for all of our plants. Like, <laughs> yeah, they're big plant people gorgeous. too. <laughs> it's, they're big plant yeah. people. They have hundreds of plants. Yeah, that's so um, cool. And I get that from them too, from my mom and dad. But yeah, yeah I, I get a lot from my dad and, and from my mom as well. But many other people along the way. It's, it's I could not only attribute them. I've had many good role models in my life mm. that have influenced me in that way. Sounds like you uh, are obviously blessed with wonderful creators, your parents, which is fantastic. Uh, that are, mm -hmm. uh, you also went to our center, which is like, that's a, f that's insanely filled with a lot of quality, high thinking powered individuals, which is fantastic as well for your brain to develop. Mm -hmm. How do you seek mentors now? Like, do you seek mentors or are you, where are you at with all that kind of stuff? Like, are you constantly in flux of finding people to discover those things? It seems like you're constantly learning and you're obviously in this other part of your cycle where you've come full circle to becoming a, a, mm -hmm. a legitimate maker of things on a high scale, which is interesting. But yeah, like how do you seek, how mm -hmm. do you seek that advice and guidance and stuff through life? Yeah. I think for me, it just always starts with the curiosity first. Mm. Right. So, um, uh, we're going back to custom mechanical keyboards since I'm. Uh, we were just talking about that. So, I mean, there's a lot of designers and makers in the space, and I entered it as a consumer. It's like, okay, I love these things. Why do I like these things? Why do I? What do I enjoy about them? And I'm just breaking it down. The reverse engineering is happening, mm. and then I'm like, wow, this is beautiful. Like, how did they make this? Who made this? And then I seek those people out, and then usually, you know, I'll develop some kind of camaraderie. I'll just interact with their content or wherever they are online 
develop a relationship. And next thing you know, I'm able to be in a room with them. It's like a Discord chat where I get to ask them questions or or show them something that I'm working on and vice versa. Because luckily I bring all kind of a wealth of experience when it comes to design and content creation that they also value. So I have something to trade. Mm. It's this nice thing where I get to seek other people out who are experts in other spaces that I am curious about but don't know anything. Mm-hmm. But I have something to add to that. Mm. So if we're both sitting around in a campfire, you know, we could pass back and forth all kinds of mm good information that they're curious about and I'm curious about. And sometimes those things become collaborations. Other times they just become uh, a moment where I get to sit down and really pick their brain. Like, ooh, you know, why did you design this? Or like, what's the process of going, um, doing this and that? And what I found is not everybody's open to sharing that, Mm -hmm. but there are a good handful of people who they have an abundance mindset where they feel like they don't have to gatekeep any of the information that they have, yeah. but rather they're just so generous with it because they know if they put that out there, it reciprocates in odd and, and wonderful ways. Yeah. I learned this very early on from Chris Doe when I was in school, and he was just like pretty much telling us all the secrets of motion design, right? Where a lot of other studios and designers, they kind of held very tightly like the things that made them special Mm -hmm. Chris was like if you're holding on to a trick to make yourself special like you're not gonna have a career for very long because as soon as that thing is obsolete like you're obsolete yeah unfortunately it's it goes against your nature when you're doing it you're like oh this is my special thing like I should covet it and and you should but right but it isn't you it's your ego speaking right yeah exactly Yeah. yeah So giving it away, and you get things back, and then it just adds to this beautiful cycle. Again, it's this abundance mindset that there is. it's not a zero-sum yeah. game. I'm not going to run out by giving away mm-hmm. things. I'm actually going to get more by giving away things. And it's it's a real I, – I feel like I'm in this this state where it's just like I, – I, that's how I view life and, and a lot of the interactions I have with people and the, the projects I take on. Beautiful, Matthew. I feel it in what you're doing. I feel there's a wholesome nature to it. Um, Even like, I can't recall the guy's name, but there's a guy that you sought out for doing like CNC woodworking machine stuff for your, one of your wooden mechanical keyboards. What's Mm -hmm. his name? Uh, Well, there's two people. um, So MK Milling, he, he, yeah, he milled a custom uh, wooden keyboard that I wanted to get designed. Mm -hmm. Um, so I worked with him and then there was another person, his name is Bao. He runs a channel called Design Craft Workshop, okay, yeah. but he's a woodworker out in Texas Love it. and he helped me with another keyboard component out of wood. So both of them helped me mm. because I was like, I can't do this on my own. I don't have a CNC. I don't have the expertise, but I know what I want. Yeah. And again, there's just a good exchange there. It's a great inspiration for me personally. And I know most people that are listening to this is that oftentimes we get caught up in what we think is is the secret or the thing or whatever and then one thing i noticed too is like you connect business with your enterprise very flawlessly it's it's very smooth that's one thing i also like admire about your take on these things because when i'm watching a youtube thing goes what's up guys you're like dude chill out first off and then also it's like so cheesy and so badly done but the your, your approach is so smooth and I can see that, and, and this is, I don't know, I mean, this is important for people to see is that business attached to art can be symbiotic and, and done in a crafty, mm-hmm. uh, beautiful way. Mm-hmm. It seems like a lot of your videos 
are produced or have some sort of sponsorship attached to it, but it, it's so smooth, mm-hmm. like, which I love it. it it's, you're not running it like, you know, and also you're, you're finding alignments, you know, it's like, I like keyboards. Yes. So, um, yes. I'm going to talk to this company and, and then I like to do this right. thing. And then, and, and it, it makes sense because it's, it's, it's a, a additive thing, you know, which is fantastic. Yes. Your process yeah. of when you go in there and you have, I mean, you have an abundance to share like most of us. I'm sure you write out all your ideas and then you find alignments to, to people like companies mm-hmm. that already mm-hmm. put a lot of energy into something. And then you, then it's like the campfire exchange, right? Like, okay, well yes. I do this video. How about this? Okay. That's fantastic. Mm-hmm. You're operating with the business is really interesting. The details of doing that, it's got to be interesting, but the, the fundamentals is basically that, right? Finding alignments and then mm-hmm. building a relationship. Right. And then realizing um, you have to have something of value to trade. Mm. I think most people, um, you know, operate from a selfish perspective, which is fine. Right. Again, we have to know what we want, but then they don't really have anything to trade. Mm -hmm. Right. It's like, hey, I want a free thing or I want you to sponsor my content. But like, what are you what are you giving them? And I think a lot of people are a little absent minded when it comes to that stuff. Um, For me, it's like I realize I'm a. Uh, pretty good storyteller. I have good production quality. That comes from my history of being in production and TV commercials for a long time. And I get to bring that over, yeah. right? I think like a designer. So I think about how am I going to solve the problems and connect the dots, um, especially when it comes to something like commerce. So when I make a video, I'm already 110% in passionate about making the thing, mm. right? Like whatever I'm, I'm making and. Sometimes like, you know, I'm producing these videos. I always try to look for somebody else to pay for it. Mm. And again, that's a selfish way. But Mm. by attaching a sponsor to this, I look at it as a way for them to win as well. It's not like I'm just looking for like money, like give me money, because otherwise I would be taking all kinds of really weird, wonky, cringy deals. Mm -hmm. Right. Ninety nine percent of things that hit my inbox of people who want to sponsor me, I say no Mm -hmm. to because it's not a good Mm -hmm. fit. So I'm just very careful with who I choose to do work with because I want the the least amount of friction possible for my audience who's watching and intaking this, Mm -hmm. but also for me to be able to talk about a product in an authentic way um, from the sponsor. It's like, oh, yeah, well, this connects to this thing that I'm already working on. I love it. It's perfect. We all win. And then, uh, you know, uh, they win out of that as well because they get the right audience who their mind is already primed because of the content that I've presented. Uh, They're more willing to accept that versus like, all right, let's stop here for a break for an ad break. And it's something random that maybe is not connected towards them or the content I'm even talking about. So I'm very mindful about that. And I just, I'd rather wait for three months to release a video, um, uh, you know, putting out some random sponsor than to just, like wait for the right sponsor to like link to this thing because if I can align these two together, we all win from that. Massive. Matt, I'm really hoping everybody here that's listening to this conversation from here on forwards and the future listeners really just heard what you just said because that is the 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 frictionless symbiotic relationship, the power of saying no, the principles in which you have that are connected to your brand and who you are that's essential. It's so essential in a system where everybody's saying yes and just trying to cut each other down and all this, it, it, you're uh, creating a wealth of your own. 
you're creating a currency mm-hmm. of your own, which I think is fantastic. It's very inspiring. And um, there's an irony that when you're saying this is I've had a lot of approaches of, hey, can you sponsor this or this and that? And 99% of the time I say no to, even with the podcast, I've said no so many times mm-hmm. to things. First and foremost, I don't want to be I don't want to be in service to anybody but myself for this thing. This is a selfish endeavor for mm-hmm. me and the guests involved. Mm-hmm. And that is it. And I like how clean and pure that is in a world where I have to do client work and that's a whole different dynamic. The art mm-hmm. dies in that ca- that concept where you're, well, can die. But what I'm seeing with yours is that it kind of becomes a symbiotic thing because of the way that your intention, which I think is is really inspiring. And it made me really think about like, maybe there's a way to do this with grace, you know, maybe there is a way to find mm-hmm. something that I love that the world might not know and show it through my lens. And that's, that's a great lesson. And that's something I've been taking from like just studying how you're doing what you're doing, which is really fantastic. Cause it just seems really good, mm-hmm. really good alignments. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and to that point, I want to step back of one part in our conversation where you're asking about role models. Mm. And we noted uh, my parents as well as other people. But um, when I, I seek role models all the time mm-hmm. and ro- and I use role models and mentors kind of interchangeably in this sense, meaning over the years, I've been able to witness people mm. who who kind of feel similar to me mm. do amazing things. And witnessing that unlocks the question in them, like in me, that if they can do it, why not me? <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. And and I think that's really important for everyone to realize that you are a role model to somebody, yeah. and that there are plenty of role models out there. So the people that you kind of um, are inspired by, you can aspire to be, you know, to follow a similar mm-hmm. path. And you can't you can't follow somebody's path one to one. And I just give a couple of examples here. So um, there are other YouTube creators in the space that I've discovered over time. So um, one guy, his name is Justin Say. He's a tech YouTuber, um, really prolific. He produces amazing content constantly. He, he has a different vibe than me, all good. But he's a young guy. He's in his like mid-20s, I believe, or even younger 20s. And, you know, he's buying properties, he's growing his business, he's growing his team, and he's he's doing very well for himself. Like, I don't have the energy to be that young 20-year-old to grind that way, <laughs> but I've seen him take something that was a pillar of creating content and then kind of blossoming and growing in other areas that things that he really likes. Like, he loves racing and he loves travel. Oh, I think I've and seen he's been able guy. to. F- yeah. yeah, he's been able to fold in his all of that stuff into his life. So it's like... Okay, that's fantastic. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. Another person is um, the YouTuber uh, Ali Abdal. Yeah, Ali. He's, yeah, he loves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Guy. I mean, he loves reading books. He's he's <laughs> uh, was a medical professional and then just went full time into content creation. But again, he's somebody where I get to witness. Mm-hmm. It's like okay, he started here. He b- grew his channel and then he started building things around it. Mm-hmm. And then the one of the biggest influences was Chris Doe because I was working for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, under our creative service uh, agency blind and then I watch him build this second company from nothing Mm -hmm. you know it's like uh, he's gonna get on YouTube he's gonna teach um, and then he's gonna build a business around it Mm -hmm. and so all of those were great role model examples for me to say if they can do it why not me Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. What's different? There's nothing different. Like I, I, I they're all limiting beliefs in my mind previously. Mm-hmm. Like I don't feel like I could take the risk or have the capabilities, but witnessing them and kind of seeing them grow throughout the years, it's like, oh, mm. I could probably do this too. And one of the reasons why I try to put what I put out there, it's like I want to be a good role model for others mm. to map this in their own lives. Like, oh, I could start building this or I could start doing this. I love it. It's uh, It makes a lot of sense. And it's cool. You, you know, we must always remember that we are always on the shoulders of giants. And uh, symbiotically, mm-hmm. we are living amongst one another. We talked about stoicism. Stoicism, it, it, it was built and created and devised uh, under the, the minds of hundreds and thousands of pe- human beings that are building the thought off of one another. So the mm-hmm. idea that you have... Um, I call them mentors, you know, even if you don't know the person, I call that silent mentors because yeah. it's a one way conversation. Mm-hmm. But I, I think it's mm-hmm. fantastic. And the more you can, more mentors you can fill in your life that have positive impact, the better. Like I said, you are having a direct impact on my life in a positive way. And that's a rare, that's a special thing. It's something that is is a guiding light for me. And it's something that I must praise you for and thank you for because like, before I was watching your stuff, I was like, my office was, it's okay. But then I started putting plants in here and adjusting the lights better. So it feels a little bit more like forgiving because this became a, mm-hmm. a, a pressure chamber of stress and pain mm-hmm. because it was just mm-hmm. like, get in there and get the work done. Because as a CGI artist, you're literally half of your day, if not 80% of your day is just problem solving. <laughs> And you're like, why isn't this yeah. thing working the way it's supposed to? And it's, yeah, it's, I told my yeah. wife, it's like, it's created a real bad metal problem for me because it's like, I wasn't, mm-hmm. I didn't do art to make more problems for myself. I want to do art to express myself. Right. And there, mm-hmm. I, we can get into this a little later, but I'm thinking about potentially pivoting my whole entire life to get away from this because I, I have to be honest with myself and go, is this really what the life that you want? If every day you wake mm-hmm. up and you're in you're you're in, in in some sort of mental struggle or pain, it's like, what kind of value mm-hmm. are you giving yourself? You know. But anyways, mm-hmm. um, I love that. That's really cool, and that's cool that you can see them as a, a guiding light to help you progress and go through and find those things. This is one of the questions mm-hmm. I had. Um, I have a slew of questions as I was watching your videos, and I just randomly on my notion thing, I was just like, oh yeah, this one right here. Have you considered, um, and maybe you do it through your channel now, but like, and it sounds like this is one of your pillars of your personality is giving back or helping others. Do you do that or have you done that? I'm not sure if I saw that, but do you do like individual mentorships or life coaching kind of things? Or is that something that you're interested in or not? Or yeah. So uh, working at the future between 2016 and 2021, that was a majority of my life, Mm. right? Chris encouraged me to get from behind the camera to in front of the camera, Mm. right? It's like teach the things. There's so many good, valuable things that are locked up inside of you. You just don't know it because you take it for granted. (laughs) So once he unlocked that in me and I started sharing that, then, you know, it just all started coming out. It's like, wow, all these things that how I 
how I think as a designer, as a creative director, how these jobs usually go. Let me try and unpack that in a way that other people can see because normally this is very privileged information. And let me put it out there so other people can consume and then see those possibilities for themselves. So I did that for many years and I think that what what drove me because again, I love helping people. But because of the pandemic and all of the introspection and kind of selfishly turning the lens back on me, it's like at the end of the day, I keep pouring my creative cup out and all my energy out to other people, which is good. Mm-hmm. But what about me? Mm-hmm. And so I've kind of turned that faucet way, way down mm-hmm. over the years and just been a little bit more hyper focused on like what are the things that I want to create and then how can I fold in other people um, to like still show that aspect of my life so I, I I still try to share as much as I I can in a way that other people can see these possibilities for themselves but I'm not actively like teaching or anything like that I do have um, like a individual consulting that people can book me for mm-hmm. uh, you know like by the hour or so. so like anybody can buy time with me if they really want to mm-hmm. but it's it's kind of expensive because it's like I don't I don't mind doing that but it's like I, I want to keep my priority very straight on mm. s- some of the things that I'm, I'm doing right mm. now. And so I do offer that, I, but I've, I've certainly turned that down. And it's it's something I do enjoy for people who really, really want the help. Yeah, and need it. You know, they will go out of their way. They will find this information, like where to book mm. time with me. And then they will spend a good amount of their hard-earned money to have time with me. So. Mm. But I don't make it easy. I don't make it. Um, I don't make myself readily available like I used to in the past years. I love that. It's good that you know your priorities and what your interests are because, yeah, when I was doing mentorships and stuff, as much as I loved it, I also realized that like, I don't know if this is a truth that you might have discovered or found, but I often felt like, who am I to give this advice? I know that I've been down this path and this and that, and maybe this is a self worth issue. But I felt like, mm-hmm. who am I to give this when I'm still on this journey trying to evolve it? You know, it's almost mm-hmm. like I'm halfway through this journey. So I kind of know I like I'm two streets ahead of you, but it's like I'm not mm-hmm. to the end. I guess there is no end, but maybe I answer my own yeah. question. But it's it was a uh, I love helping people. But I also I don't know if this happens for you, too, where I get exhausted because it's depleting. Yeah. Because I am giving so much and I want to give and it's very important to give. But yeah, I'm (laughs) like, uh. yeah, it takes a lot of energy out. Like you have a lot of um, you get a lot out of it in terms of the gratification that you know that hopefully somebody might be better off on their path, that they might be avoiding challenges or heading in uh, like slightly correcting their their direction um, away from the things that could be either wasting their time or could be harmful, but we we don't know. And um, to your question or the thing that you're kind of challenged with, I've acknowledged that Mm. and I forgive myself for that. So Mm. before anybody books any time with me, I tell them, it's like, look, I can't fix any of your problems. Mm. I'm not guaranteeing I can fix anything. I'm just telling you that I can offer you my perspective Mm. from what I've experienced. So I, with any of these consulting calls that I, I work on with people, I, I try to let them know. It's like, this is a perspective. You can do whatever you want with it. Graceful. I like that. Yeah. yeah. So so then it, it just, it takes that burden off of me yeah. too. So it's like, all the disclaimers are there. Mm-hmm. I'm not telling you I could fix your life. I'm not that person and I don't claim yeah, to be. you're not the guru. And yeah. um, 
Yeah, but if if you want my perspective, I'm happy to share it with you because I have a very complex and dynamic background that might be helpful mm, to you. That's beautiful. I love that. And that's also like it just it just undoes the burden of you yeah. needing to be the guru and that's one thing I found that it was always kind of disarming for me a lot with like the self-development, self-help kind of generation and culture. It's just people sitting mm-hmm. up on a podium saying that they know the answer. And, it, mm-hmm. and it's really discerning to me because it's like the moment that somebody says mm-hmm. that I'm like instantly like, oh, I'm turned off. The person that's humbled right. by the fact that they know nothing is the person that knows something, <laughs> yeah. <Right. laughs> which is the irony in itself. Ironically. <laughs> yeah. But like you said, it's like you've experienced it. You have a different perspective of life, which is, that's good that you give yourself that grace. I need to need to meditate on that a little bit and, and, and maybe give myself a little bit of that personally, just so I can mm-hmm. be like, okay, you don't know everything, but you do know what you know. And that potentially could be, um, you know, a value. That's why, I mean, that's kind of what the podcast is in a liquid form and, and having <laughs> these dynamic conversations, which is hopefully adding value. It does. I didn't realize how much value it added until I pulled it away. I took it away for like two years. And, mm. I, and the, the outcry <laughs> of fans of the podcast, it was like, I had no idea people were listening to this. Honestly, I couldn't believe it. And that was right. really cool. How do you deal right. with trolls and negative comments? It's not, you got some grace going on. I want to hear about how you deal with a hater, oh. a Matthew and Cena <laughs> hater. How do you deal with that? Yeah. I mean, l- luckily, I would say that a lot of the content I put out there is not very divisive. Yeah. You're I smart try not about to... that, too. I noticed. You <laughs> yeah. actually, and then, I don't want to segue, but I quickly, I want to. You, <laughs> I've noticed that you don't hate on things. When you put mm-hmm. content out there, it's not divisive. You don't say, no. this is a beautiful thing. When, when, you're indifferent almost. I'm learning this concept of indifference, which is stoic connected mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. But a lot of times mm-hmm. I think on the internet is, is, uh, and we'll get back to the other question. I apologize, but I want, yeah, this yeah. is a part no of worries. this thing that I really wanted to address is that if you have not consumed Matthew's content or however we should say this is, is his work, let's say it's your work. He has this graceful way of just saying what he's interested in and not comparing it to disarm and destroy other things. It's just really additive, graceful approach. Mm-hmm. How, okay. This is in a, in a world where everybody wants to be polarized, all the YouTube, like, mm-hmm. uh, you know, this is whack or Dieter Rams sucks right. or, you know, <laughs> it's right. like, right. You're just saying, no, I'm interested in this and, and that's cool if you don't like it. So how, first and foremost, how did that kind of come about? How did you put that in your ecosystem? And then we can go back to the, Negative mm-hmm. feedback right. stuff. I, I think it's really driven by my personality. I don't like conflict. Mm, okay. So I already like as a person. Yeah, I think I've always been like that. So if there's any kind of conflict, I get very uncomfortable. I can feel it in my body and I don't necessarily deal with it very mm. well. So part of it is like whether this is a good thing or not, I'm not judging. I'm just saying I typically avoid confrontational moments. Mm. So when that's my online personality or the things that I put out there it's like I have no right to judge you for what you Mm. do and as much as I do not want to be judged for the things that I put out there but people will still you know there are trolls and whatever out there Um, but you know for me it's just like this is my perspective Mm. this is like you said this is what I like this is what I know and I'm okay with being wrong and I try to be very transparent in moments where it's like, okay, this is a DIY project. I could be doing this wrong, but this is what I learned. Mm-hmm. 
and this is how I applied it. So I'm not trying to even say that, oh, if you're if you're joining two pieces of wood, this is the correct way to do it. <laughs> yeah. You know, I don't, I never, I never try to come from that authoritative position. Mm-hmm. I just say it's like, as a designer, <laughs> from my perspective, this is how I saw this problem, and this is how I solved mm-hmm. it. Whether that's right or wrong, it doesn't really matter, right? You can judge. I, I think that's a waste of everybody's time if you want to spend your time judging other people's life and work rather than taking that energy and then working on your own thing, yeah. right? Um, wow, you just so solved world peace right there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, having said that, like there are still the like, you know, 5% of comments or energy that enters into my ecosystem mm. that is negative. Okay. And, and, and I will say... There's negative and then there's critical. Mm, yeah. How do you just, how do you di- will, how do you differentiate those two things? Yeah. So what I my approach usually is when there's a critical or and I'll get into the differences between the two. But whenever something that is not a positive, like hey, yeah, good work, I love what you taught me here, right? Mm. If it's anything other than that, it's like I'll get a comment in, and it's like, oh, that kind of made me feel not great. Mm. <laughs> like I don't love this comment. Mm. Like, what do I feel about this comment? And then, of course, a lot of instinct is to fight back or defend yourself. Yeah. And I try not to do either of those things. Instead, I try to win them over or try to have them expand on their logic by just simply asking a question. Right. Like if they say something like, oh, that's so expensive. Like, why would you ever why would you spend money on that? And I'm talking about my recent product collab with Grovemade. Like people will they, they fall over. They fall out of their chair when they look at the prices. Yeah, Grovemade is not products. cheap, but it's also fantastic it's cheap. quality. So, right. You know, right. Yeah. And so everybody. usually my argument. Yeah. Usually with my argument for that is like, you're right. Like they're, it's expensive. And then what right or it's like you're right there are cheaper options out there you know go go buy the cheap option yeah or if somebody has a like if they take the time to write paragraphs of stuff and i've I've had a lot Mm. of that that just means they've really give it a lot of thought Mm. and those are typically a lot more uh critical Mm. where they're trying to share their perspective Mm. and those ones i i really try and absorb that and like Thank you for your comment. Thank you for your perspective for helping me look at it this mm. way. I didn't consider mm. it. Graceful. And I will admit that first. Mm. And then I'll usually try and ask a question after. Mm. And usually something that might sound negative or most people will take as a negative comment is just somebody that wants to be heard because we all just want to be heard. Yeah. And then usually there it's sometimes followed up by a positive comment after that, <laughs> which is really odd. Mm. You know, something that you think is somebody who's a hater, but really it's like they're just trying to provide a cr- some kind of critical feedback. Maybe they're not very graceful or tactful in the words that they use. Yeah. Um, but I, I so I always try to challenge myself. That's my daily practice mm. for stoicism. It's like, how am I going to address this comment without being hateful or spiteful towards that person in return mm. i need to remove all of that so i might write it once and i'm like oh, oh yeah. i'm i'm judging them like that's let me remove those words because i i don't need to put that energy back in the mm. world world right it, the, if i keep feeding that it's going to keep coming back mm. to me 
So rather it's like, let me try to diffuse that. Let me actually try to win them mm. over, best case scenario. And that's how I typically deal with these. So different difference between critical and negative, in, in my opinion, from how I see it is like, again, critical, if they take the time to really put out um, a, a long comment, that's critical. Even if it's short, the difference between critical and negative is negative, they'll just call you an idiot. Mm-hmm. Right, like they they will use name calling and defer to that without much substance within their comments. Yeah, it's like weaponizing. It's like, okay, yeah. yeah, it's like so you want you want to attack me? That's okay. You know, I could block you or hide you from my channel. Like I don't need that energy here. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like, and there are very few people like that. Very grateful again because I think of the audience that I attract and the content that I make. Yeah. But for the rest of them, it's like I try my best to see their perspective, acknowledge them because they want to be heard. And then try to find a way to win them over or just like balance this out. Because like I come in with a perspective, they have their conflicting perspective. And if we can just see each other's perspective and be like, oh, yeah, I acknowledge that. Oh, yeah, I acknowledge that. We don't have to agree, but we can acknowledge that we're coming from different perspectives. Mm. And usually it's like, okay, that's we're all good. (laughs) I love that. It's so hard to do when things are faceless and keyboards and yeah. the screen, um, it's just, you know, it's just, I think it's an identity thing or a self-perseverance or like preservation thing, or I don't know. I mean, there's so many things that have been written yeah. on this con- whole concept, but it's doing it to us cognitively, but it's really, um, it's inspiring what you're saying here, Matthew. It's inspiring to me because my, in- in- this is how I read comments. I have the most nagging, horrible mm-hmm. voice when I'm reading them. It could be a good right. one. And I'm like, yeah, okay. <laughs> but I've come to realize is I'm a very emotional person. I don't like conflict either, but when conflict comes to me, I push back hard mm-hmm. and, and I'm mm-hmm. a fighter. Mm-hmm. This is my bad nature though. It's like I'm an mm-hmm. animal and I need to really go against this because I would so much mm-hmm. rather be a much more graceful person. You know, It's the person mm-hmm. that I desire. It's the person that I don't wake up with though. You know, I'm like, I wake up and I'm like, I'm a savage animal. I just want to freaking crush it, you know? So, and, 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 Mm -hmm. and as I grow and as I learn, I realized this is one thing I was realizing that there, I was getting both comments in the world. There was the negative and the positive. And if I was Mm -hmm. only acknowledging one of them, I was not acknowledging the other. Therefore it was a zero. Mm. I I told myself, don't acknowledge either. Don't this is one of the thing that I realized years ago is you put your happiness in the hands of others. You're going to have a big problem, right. huge problem yes. because right. you aren't yourself. You're, you're going to be living a vessel of others. And, um, right. It's, but it sounds like, can be a criminal if I'm wrong, let's get into this. So this, it sounds like yeah. you allow it in, but you don't let it to take precedence yes. of your psyche. I try. It's, it's a practice. Yeah. It's, it's difficult sometimes. Sure. And, Again, when somebody's very critical mm. or when the comment comes in and it's not overwhelmingly positive and it makes me feel a certain way, mm. usually there are, are, are um, one one thing in there is usually if it's hurtful, mm. that's because there's some truth in there. Yes, yes. This is this is right? the thing that kills and, me because I'm like, if that hurts yes. and if all this hurts, yes. that means there's truth in that. Oh, man, I suck. I really right. do suck. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. And it's, and it's okay. It's like there, and truth is still subjective from somebody's perspective. Totally. Right. Yeah. Um, but it just means that there's something there that is, mm, it's like, oh, 
you know where all the the bodies are buried you can see the mistakes you know you can see the render errors whatever like you can see the flaws in this thing that i put out there right because i think i saw in one of your old um interviews like you you really put your art and heart into your art right when you put it out there so therefore you feel everything yeah. when people react to it and and i get that and and i think when comments come in it's just revealing a version of truth whether you accept that or not the, the thing that was has been helpful for me to process this was many years ago in i think it was 2019 i took i went into a program called the alt mba by seth godin mm. It's like one of these little uh, programs that's 13 weeks long and they just they make you work and see the world in a very different perspective. Mm. So it's a leadership program. I really didn't know what I was signing up for. Chris Doe paid for it and signed me up for the course because he's like, I think they're doing something cool over here, but I don't have the time to take it. Do you want to take it and then kind of just share with the group what you learned? Mm. It's like, okay, that sounds good. <laughs> and then and then I got signed up for 13 weeks of very challenging work but I, I say that I highly recommend the program for anyone What's the program who called again? needs to alt MBA oh okay I've heard this and I know who Seth is so yeah, yeah. so I think the two things that um, I personally got out of it was how to become a better decision maker and then how to actually empathize with people because I think the word empathy is thrown around a lot yeah. these days it has been a very big buzzword especially in design but I don't think anybody really knows what it means or how to practice it or how to get better at it and I think this program there was one very particular um, exercise in there that I want to share with you hopefully I'm not like doxing and destroying the program but I, I, maybe this will encourage people to sign yeah. up it was the most powerful empathy exercise I had ever done in my life. And it was this. Um, so there's a prompt in there. And each project is responding with an essay. However you want to respond to it. Any format, whatever. But this was the prompt. It's like, okay, choose something you're very passionate about. Something you have a strong belief or values mm -hmm. in. Now take the opposing side that you believe and write an essay as to why they're right. Yeah, that's that's how you stimulate empathy. Because empathy yes. is about understanding the other side, really. Uh, yes. Intrinsically and, and wholly and fully everything. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah. So I, th I think for me, what I chose was like, oh, uh, I'm going to choose to write about white nationalists. Mm. It's like, I don't agree with them. Like, I feel a way, like, I feel like they're, there's some kind of oppression towards me. But let me revisit their perspective. Why are they right to feel the way that they are? And white nationalists within the United mm -hmm. States, yeah. right? And this is, like, at the peak of all of those emotions and things that were going mm -hmm. on in, in our country then. So it was, it was a really hot topic, mm -hmm. but it was fascinating to explore that perspective mm -hmm. And it really helped me empathize with that group, even though I didn't agree with mm. them. But after that assignment, it just helped me understand, like, somebody that's looking at me from a different perspective, they're not wrong. They're actually mm. right from their perspective. Yeah. And we're both right, right? So, again, two truth rights is are subjective. Wrong. Mm, two wrongs are right. <laughs> that's right. And nothing matters. <laughs> that's exactly. <laughs> nothing matters. It's, it's all perspective. It's all perspective. And... and, and Exactly. So I, I realize it's like I got to put my uh, my hammer down like I'm not here to judge anybody mm. because then I am also accepting judgment mm. 
right? It's like I have to try and release those things from me because it's like we're just experiencing life in very different ways. Mm. How we react to it is like all very different and nothing is wrong and nothing is right. Yeah. And I I just try to look at life from that perspective. So when a negative comment comes in, if it's really just there to hurt me, it's like, again, I don't need to see that. It's not helpful. It's not a good use of my energy. But if it's something critical, they don't agree with me, I think we can just share perspectives in a cordial way where we get a mutual understanding of each other. And it's like, I can feel good about leaving that comment there. Mm. I'm not going to erase it. I'm not going to block it. I'm going to let, I'm going to let other people read it. As and you should. I wouldn't want people to see. Oh, yeah, wow. How does Matthew deal gracefully through this navigation? And when, when people see that, they go, wow, that's inspiring because now, and not only has he proven to be graceful, but he's also dealt with friction and, and distilled it. Um, yes. Chris, I think Chris taught me this a long time ago through a conversation we had as I was dealing with like uh, some sort of friction of some sort on the outsides. And he was like, if somebody comes to you without clearly well-spelled words and a defined sentence structure, they are literally not worthy of you considering that feedback because it isn't, it, they're not meeting you halfway. If you go out there and make something mm -hmm. critical and have, so that I think it's probably the same thing where it's when, when it's like you're an idiot or you suck or blah, 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 troll stuff. That makes sense to just right. be like, okay, well, and I'm thinking web three or something, there's going to be filters to basically remove a lot of that and like that kind of stuff where it's like, I don't want hate. I don't want that stuff mm -hmm. in my ecosystem. I don't need it in my head and I don't want it in my life. I always look mm -hmm. at like the internet. If you can look at it almost like walking down the street, when I'm walking down the street, if somebody says, Hey dickhead, I'm going to be like, right. eat your teeth. You're you know, right. like, we're having, right. this is it. Right. Right. But, but on the internet, I can't. And, and it was one of the hardest mm -hmm. things because I grew up in multiple ghettos. I was like the always only the only white kid. So it was always a problem. I was always fighting. It was a, there was a mm -hmm. lot of stuff, but at the same time, it, it gave me this personality that is quick to jump through the conflict through full on like armament basically. But as yeah. you, as I get older, I realize, as you mentioned, it's like, I need to disarm that part and realize that that's mm -hmm. not what's happening or it is happening. But let me just put this over here. You know, it's my dog Chewy. He's, he's 13. He's an old Aww. man. But sometimes he, he's sleeping. Uh, and then sometimes nightmare. he'll just wake up and start howling. Yeah. Either he had like some crazy dream or something. It's okay. <laughs> And then he and then he gets grounded. He's like, oh, "Oh wait, I'm back. I'm safe." He just had a <laughs> negative <here>. feedback <laughs> thing that happened. Yeah, that's that's right. He was dealing with the well, troll the timing. Dream, so. He sounds like me when I deal <laughs> yeah. with it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I love. We have a we have a wonderful little pup too. Dogs are the best. They're such a great reminder yeah. of like to simplify life and to keep it at the core, which is yeah. Right. They're, and they're like a. They have all the answers. They do. <laughs> they can't speak to us, but they're trying to show yeah. us. It's like oh, this they're is, in the embodiment of right it, here. which I love. That's I right. love that. That's really, I love that. That's fantastic. I love that you build this, that you have this way of, and, and also you're humbled by it, that you said it's a daily practice of, of taking in this thing and then um, filtering it basically, which is really good because you're a public, you're in the public space and you're, not only is mm -hmm. it just you, but you know, your wife is involved in this thing and your dad and your brother and like, mm -hmm. You're exposing mm -hmm. them to this thing too. Is that ever become a, like a mm -hmm. worry for you, or you just go? Yeah, yeah. yeah I, tr I try to be 
very careful about that mm. stuff. And, you know, I always ask first if they're okay with being in front of the camera. <laughs> yeah. um, and um, so I'm not a person to go out there in public and shove cameras in people's faces for... <laughs> yeah, you don't seem like it. ...capturing content, you know what <laughs> I mean? Like, I get uncomfortable filming in public anyway, right? Yeah. So, um, <laughs> But yeah, I'm, there's still a big section of my life that's very private that is not public. And those are things that my wife is actually pretty... She's pretty strict on herself or like things she's like, I don't want anybody to know these private things. Yeah, same with my wife. Too. And so she's, yeah, she's developed that for me, that side of that sense of armor. Because mm. otherwise, I'm definitely very mm, optimistic about people. Mm. And when I see a stranger on the street, my assumption is that they could be a friend rather than a yeah. foe, where my wife is the opposite. Uh. It's like, let me put my defenses up first because I don't know what your intentions mm. are. Where my automatic assumption is that everybody's intention is is inherently mm. good, so it's just we're, we have very different perspectives. I've learned a lot from her, and vice versa. Mm. So um, that there are a lot of aspects of my life where I'm very careful of not trying to dox myself and like put this all of the details mm-hmm. out there. But I know it is a risk when it comes to living a public life. So I, I'm carefully treading that. I, I know I could be mm. better. Um, but at the same time, there are aspects of my life. It's like, if I share this, it will help other people see the possibilities in themselves. Mm. Again, like I could have built all this stuff and not shown the 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 hardships or the people that have helped me throughout the process, right? Mm. And then they will assume like, oh, Matthew's a rock star. Of course he could do this. I could never do that. Mm. But if you see people helping me, like my dad, mm. and we're coming up with weird novel solutions that isn't correct then it humanizes me a little bit more. It's like, oh, that's, I, I could relate to that. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm aware of these things. I'm carefully navigating it. And if it ever gets to the point where I blow up all crazy, then I, I would definitely scrutinize a lot of aspects of my life to make sure that I feel protected and safe when it comes to, you know, my vulnerabilities in that mm. sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I know you're familiar with this, but evolving to the point of success and living in that mountain of success is a whole other journey that most people don't anticipate, don't understand mm-hmm. and can't compartmentalize. And mm-hmm. I see it. I mean, okay, let's just use people. For example, my friend, Mike, I am so happy mm-hmm. that yeah. my friend became as successful as he is from just being himself. I'm, I'm even mm-hmm. more happy that, his family is fantastic and he came into that level of wealth when he was in his 40s mm-hmm. because I could mm-hmm. I mean the first thing I told Mike when this mm-hmm. all happened I talked mm-hmm. I was like do you have a psychiatrist because you're gonna need it because everybody's gonna come at you at all angles and you're gonna need that defense but mm-hmm. my goodness has he handled this stuff with grace on the level I had just I I can't even it's fantastic <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's been fun to yeah. watch him. Just like sometimes he'll just straight up laugh in somebody's face because it's like, are you kidding yeah. right now? Like, why are you coming at me yeah. this way? You know, like, like that one what? guy. He's like, how you much know, do you, you make? He's like, really, guy? Like, yeah, like you're gonna like ask that's me the this? first question you're yeah. gonna ask? Right? <laughs> right to the point. That guy is so tacky, but yeah, yeah, clickbait exactly. stuff. So. But I just, yeah, I mean, he's good at um, like uh, just cutting through the bullshit yeah. because he's always been that way and one thing that i appreciate about um mike is you know he'll post his work and he'll never read the comments he'll never respond yeah sometimes he does because it's like it's always so controversial yeah but 
most of the time it's just about the work for him as it always has yeah. been so even before social media like he was already doing the work in the same exact yes. way sometimes in a vacuum without any you know without any feedback it's like well that was the point yes, this is and it. It, to this day i think it's still the point he's just he'll make the thing that he wants to make yes it's performative and it's fantastic and yeah it's it's, it's, it's been really interesting what are your honest thoughts on social media and apps like instagram what do you honestly think of them I think it's um, just like anything else in this world. Like too much of it is bad. Mm. How do you limit um, you it? You have to know. Uh, you can literally limit it on your I phone do. and just say, "Okay, like, hey, yeah, thirty minutes." Oh, you a do day thirty minutes? Just mm. yeah. I mean, I I'll snooze that. I completely honest, I'll snooze that a couple times before I'm like, "Okay, mm. this is pestering me. It's annoying." Mm. Yeah, I should probably put it down. And I think lately I've been definitely feeling the urge to step away from it a little bit why more. is that but uh just because i feel like it's starting to and not getting as much out of mm-hmm. it yeah same it's so a one-way street i like almost. i like to, yeah. yeah exactly i like to consume content to fuel my creations yeah. so i love following people and you know getting inspired by other people's works or ideas or just things that they put out yeah. there but at a certain point it's oversaturated it was like i can't use that anymore it's like i I've, I've seen this already or it's like well i'm consuming more than i'm creating and that's a bad balance mm-hmm. so what i become aware of those things and then it's like okay that's when i need to step back mm. so you're um, oversaturated so that's one yeah. yeah that's that's one aspect knowing like why why am i using this tool mm-hmm. and just trying to ask myself that all the time and be very clear it's like okay well, yeah, I want to build an audience around the things that I care mm-hmm. about, but I'm not trying to build an audience just to build an audience. Mm, this is back to the why, which is the beginning of our conversation. The, yeah. Yes, this is true. The intention yeah. of the why. And, and, yeah. yeah, and I see a lot of my peers who grow really fast and happy for them. And my whole thing is I, I hope they have a clear why. I hope they know what they're doing with this because some people I feel like they're growing just to grow. Mm-hmm. And in those cases, I sometimes see these people become a machine feeding the machine. Yeah, yeah. And I don't want to be a Please machine don't. feeding another machine. Yeah, don't do that. Right? Yeah, that would be horrible. Right. Well, it's it's a byproduct yeah. of the capitalist system. You get rewarded by yeah. having a harvest. But the I don't know mm-hmm. how many of my friends that are YouTubers have real bad problems with their mental game because they're just like, Mm. My life is just a matter of making content and I'm turned this whole thing into this drug that's this machine that's destroying my life because all I can do is just make content. And when you're a YouTuber, you're also like, well, I don't know if he's a YouTuber is a term, if you're a content creator, whatever, mm-hmm. you are everything alone. Right. You're the product. You're the product, which is because <laughs> like, you know, you're, you're, you're like, I love this, your breakdown in Notion. Because I, I, for years I've been dabbling with the idea of putting myself out there and doing some more so it's like things and sharing the things that I love with the universe and mm-hmm. stuff. But I'm like, it's so much work, like building it the is. script, having intention, knowing how to cleanly and clearly, uh, objectively say what you're thinking in a very clean and concise way with style and grace and film mm-hmm. it and edit it and do the sound. It's just like, wow, it is so much. But... Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. But you look at Instagram and all this stuff like Twitter and stuff as, as tools, devices to basically help right. you, but they're a limitation right. to them, right? Yeah, for right. sure. And I look at these things um, also as very, 
ephemeral and temporary because mm. I know any of these platforms can go away and yeah. I'm, I'm okay with that mm-hmm. like I know that because I've seen so many people especially in YouTube because it's been around longer just go through the gamut of like spike and then all of a sudden their channel is dead Yeah, and then what do they do and I just see them kind of drown and flounder like I don't know what they do post peak and for me it's Starbucks. like I, I already know it's like yeah yeah exactly mm-hmm. exactly yeah. and I'm okay with that but that's why I'm kind of building other ventures and exploring Smart. other things to me like YouTube has been great mm-hmm. for a pillar it's like hey this is great um, it's just a way for me to reach people and connect with people this is how we're connecting but that is yeah, yeah exactly yeah. and that's not the end nope. though right it's like so what What if that is like the, the base of my tree it's like what are all the beautiful branches that can grow out of yes. this and that's what I've been exploring now and that's that's the fun thing it's like I've gotten into industrial design mm-hmm. it's like that I did not go to school for that <laughs> I did not aspire to be that yeah. but here I am doing these collaborations with Grovemade and other uh, companies and I'm starting to learn about this space and it's a natural extension of me being a digital designer having that mindset and approach, me getting dabbling into DIY and craft making and building things. And it's like, okay, these two worlds converge, mm-hmm. industrial design based off of the things that I'm actually passionate about, which is stuff around the desk space and desk accessories and the ways we work. It's like, mm-hmm. wow, this came full circle, <laughs> but I wasn't expecting that. I wasn't planning mm-hmm. for that. It just happened because all I cared about was me satiating this curiosity. Mm-hmm. It's like, I'm hungry for more. Mm-hmm give me more and because i i know i can go deeper and there's more it's that like um like in japan right the otaku is the 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 phrase for it's like people like there are some hardcore people in in japan i feel like they're culturally Mm -hmm. one of the types of people where it's like if they have an obsession like that is a different (laughs) level of obsession you know like um, like that mo- movie uh, Jiro Dreams of Sushi yeah of course I remember like their their apprentices there mm-hmm. right like they'll go t- 10 years of apprenticeship yeah. and like for most people like the, like they can't even do 6 months mm-hmm. yeah there's an intention before you know the advancing yeah exactly it's so romantic uh, yes. from the outside <laughs> from the outside right yeah. I, I can't speak on the inside yeah. but you know obviously as an external viewer it's oh, like it seems so beautiful it seems beautiful well I think right. was, I, I think <laughs> in our culture I mean just speaking to it not to criticize it but to criticize it in the point of, of growth is that a lot of us Americans and people we consume so rapidly and we're so mm-hmm. it's so vapid it's so um, there's yeah. no connection to soul to self it's very rare Mm-hmm. I know you mentioned breakdancing and stuff. I used to breakdance too. Breakdancing was like mm-hmm. a way of being yourself, expressing yourself and, and mm-hmm. sharing yourself with the world in form of dance. I think a lot of things mm-hmm. with making things is literally the same extension. It's like, who am I? Mm-hmm. What am I doing? What's my intention? And I think the thing that mm-hmm. I love about Japanese culture is literally that it's distilled intention. And it's just the mm-hmm. best thing ever. Mm. It's just, I love Japan. My wife's mm-hmm. half Japanese. We go to Japan as much as we can. We haven't been since COVID, which is like a total travesty. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, Japanese culture. Yeah. I grew up in Hawaii too. So like Japanese culture is like deeply connected to, mm-hmm. to Hawaii as well. So yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I see a lot of your love of Japan and your intention and, and approach to things. Like you get, you're interested in like the the quiet minutiae of perfection almost, you know, does that make sense? <laughs> yeah, most people it's like, the oh. details that nobody, nobody will see. Yeah, yeah. but they feel. N- nobody will see the details. Yeah, they feel because the compound mm. effect of 
uh, very precise details make all the difference for something that's good to great, right? Um, yeah. And I learned this too working with the Grovemate guys. It's really interesting because, again, they're industrial designers. They build stuff. Um, and I come from the digital space. And when we were collaborating on our project together, um, you know, we're, we're making the different items, prototyping things, sketching things. And then they would show me, it's like, and I would ask them, it's like, oh, you know, why is this, you know, four inches, point, 4.63 inches? Mm. Oh, the blade like, well, That seems, mm. right, yeah, or something. It's like, well, that feels arbitrary. And then they showed me, it's like, oh, when this lines up next to this, they're the exact same width. Or when you mm. rotate it this way, it's the same exact width as something uh, else. Yeah. I was like, oh my gosh. Yeah. Like I didn't even consider that. Yeah. But they think about those things. It's like they think about the ecosystem. They think about how things interact in those small details. It's like no wonder their tools and accessories are so cohesive and they look so great to each with each other because they think about how they interact and all the details that you, you and I are just casual people do not care about or just cannot see. We cannot fathom yeah. it. Yeah, I love that. I mean, it probably gives you a deep appreciation for Apple as a whole. Oh, I mean, yeah. they're the king oh, of the game. All of the details are oh, considered. Oh, my <laughs> goodness, especially when Steve was around. And still to this day, too, um, the team, mm-hmm. it's just some of the best in the world at caring about those those things that you just don't, you take for granted, the operating system, the way that it functions in your life and the friction-free as much as possible kind of things. I know this because I own both. I don't own uh, Android or anything, but I own the PC, and, and there's a different form of friction that occurs through this use ability. But, yeah, in good and bad, mm-hmm. it's also just good to see it. Mm-hmm. I love that you're you're doing these things. It's cool that you've crossed the, crossed the, crossed the threshold because the last video you made and published, I think, was about you breaking over to this new threshold. and. I know that mm-hmm. these videos are often made and then they're released months out. So you're in the future tense of this experience. Where are you at now? What, like, what, what, what is this future that you're building? What does it look like? What, what, what's exciting you? Yeah. Yeah. Well, since I released that video, um, and that product with Grove made the, the note taking kit, it's interesting because all of a sudden that catches the attention of other people. Mm-hmm. And I have, a case study to talk about yes right i'm sure with all of like the big projects yeah it's a business card it's like all the big projects that you've done in your life it's like it becomes a a calling card for you people's like oh i know you for that thing you made yeah they would be like why are you doing cars and then i'm like here's the batmobile like okay you're legit now it's like okay i I was doing this this whole time but okay yeah (laughs) right okay right it's like you're quietly working on it you can kind of see it and maybe you don't know what the end goal is like because that's not the point the point is just to get better and and satiate your curiosity in this space that you're so passionate about and you just can't help but make something to contribute to that space you just it's it comes out of you right like you consume all of this and it's almost like you sweat and bleed this out it's just like it comes out in the yeah Yeah. it's the muse exactly and you can feed it you can really feed it if you're quiet enough to listen to it away from all Mm -hmm. the noise of the trends and everything that's going on out there it's just like Mm. let me listen to me what is the thing that's calling me right now (laughs) And that, that's what this big journey has been for me ever since I quit my full-time job at the future uh, two years ago, which is I'm going to set sail. I'm going to let the winds of curiosity kind of pull me in the direction and, and just navigate from there. So what I've been working on 
since then has kind of been interesting, right? As soon as I quit, I got all these job offers. I said, no, I don't want to go into another job. How did you decide not to I, do that? I, I, I don't mean to cut you off, Beer, but yeah. a lot of people that listen yeah, yeah. to this, when you go out to be freelance, it's really a very big leap in your life. You're saying, you see this institu- mm-hmm. institution that everybody's like climbing to get into? I'm jumping ship and I'm, and yeah. I'm somehow going to grab onto this raft and I'm going to sail off, if metaphorically, right. on the winds of curiosity. This right. is always a big leap, and it's something that I have spent a lot of time helping my friends and people I love, saying, "You're fine. Mm-hmm. I will help you. You will be fine. This will be fine." Then you went, mm-hmm. so you had all these opportunities, blessed, which is fantastic. Mm-hmm. But then yes. saying no to that, Very even privileged. how did you do yes. that? How did you find yeah. this, the courage I to mean, do such a thing? Yeah. So uh, courage, certainty. I. It, I mean. Everybody tells me from the outside, it's like, oh, wow, you took a big risk. And for me, I was like, I didn't feel risky (laughs) at all. Um, And maybe that's that blind confidence in myself, but more so it's like I'm risk averse. Mm -hmm. So I don't blindly just drop everything without consideration. Mm -hmm. So while working full time at one job, quietly, you know, I've kind of been building a lot of things around that. Side hustle. Uh, So my... Yeah, my personal YouTube channel, um, gaining different revenue streams through through that pillar until the point of 2021 where that income was the same as my full-time mm-hmm. job. So it's like, okay, this is, I, this is half of my effort or like partial effort yeah. and a lot of my energy is being given to other people. What happens if I take that same energy and then f- fuel this thing instead? Mm-hmm. Where does that go? Yeah. That's good that you're and, risking and first, I watch though, this because you build a mechanism yeah, to, to avoid it. it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So um, it was. Uh, I had to talk to my accountant first. I was like, "Hey, mm. is this a stupid idea?" I remember you mentioned this right? in your and video. That, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's. It's. It, I definitely captured this in a video to help people understand like how I made this decision because it's not like a, "Hey, I quit everything and you know romanced my life and it's all working out." It's <laughs> like no. It was heavily considered for two years. I always tell people you need to have six months of income in the bank before you do the the leap. You have to because you could hit a dry spell for three months and you need to be able to have fallback. So you don't make bad choices. I kept that in in mind. And when my accountant looked at my books, he's like, you have 18 months of runway. Fantastic. He's like, you could fail for 18 months and you'll be fine. I was like, that's a long time. It's nice to hear it from the the, accountant too, an outsider. That's a professional that you pay for that stuff. You're like, yeah. Exactly. There are numbers like they're not emotional mm-hmm. about anything. That's at all. good. And then the second thing he said, he's like, uh, invest in yourself because that's going to have the best returns. Always, baby. I was like, this is it. I was like, Oof, okay. <laughs> Your accountant said I'm that? Sold. Yeah, my accountant wow. said that. I, that's a very awesome accountant yeah, to give you the inspiration <laughs> and also the, t- the cognitive yeah. thought. I mean, the actual poignant thoughts. Yeah, which is fantastic. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so he's confirming things, you know. I I want to believe, and it's like I just need an outside, objective perspective, and he was he was that for me. So mm-hmm. ever since I quit, um, you know, with knowing that I have a lot of kind of safe uh, safety raft, I'm not going to get stranded. Like I have room to fail, a lot of room to fail, mm-hmm. and that was because I built this second ship to depart on while I was still steering the first, or you know, on board the other yeah. one. At a certain point, I was like, okay, now this is diverging. I can comfortably step off and knowing that they're going to be okay and I'm going off in a direction that feels right mm. for me. So I had a lot of momentum out of the gate. And again, it comes from this abundance mindset. It's like, hey, 
I've been able to build all these things. I've been able to acquire these things, build relationships, whatever. Like, why not me? Why can't I do these things? And that took a lot of mental processing for me to be able to feel confident to do that. Once I was out there, I knew that if I were to take another job offer, it would just bring me back into the noise. It w- it's the gravity of somebody else's world pulling yeah. me in. And then all of a sudden, it's like I have to deal with the parameters of their world. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, I, I, want, I just release myself yeah. for that. Actually, I need a couple more months before I even have fully left the orbit of where I came from to feel the kind of the freedom and unlimited room of space. Yeah. It's like, okay, I'm out here. Now where do I want to go? Like now all the noise is gone. And that's where I started just kind of leaning into the things like, hey, what am I what am I curious about? What am I interested in? Mm-hmm. I knew a big thing for me is I want to become a better storyteller mm-hmm. in whatever format that that happens. And then my friends over at Webflow hit me up and they're like, hey, do you want to direct a documentary that we're producing here? And I was like, you know, I'm not a documentary director, but that sounds interesting because it's aligned with my goal to become a better storyteller. Let me take on this project because it's it's interesting. Mm. And it also allowed me to travel a bit. So I was like coming out of the pandemic, it just, it felt and right. And you had to be accountable like, okay, too. So this. you couldn't, you couldn't jump yes. away and make an excuse to like, right. oh, this is just for me. So I'm going to leave or I'm not. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Project-based yeah. learning with, with uh, objective uh, accountable goals is like literally the best way to put the pressure cooker on yourself yes. to, to actually learn. And you're like, I can't believe I just did that. But yeah, but yes. you can, it's the, it's the crazy thing. You're the biggest doubter, but it's like, once you, once you silence right. that inner doubter, <laughs> you're just like, okay, right. then you, then you, right, but you don't want to go. go Kanye level. Where you're just like, I'm not bad. I'm God. Right. You're like, okay, no, come on, come right. back down to us. You know? <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Well, that was an interesting project because, you know, Outside of money, the whole thing was like, I want to level up my skills as a storyteller in this Mm. medium. And I don't know too much about documentaries. I love them. And then that's where earlier we were talking about books and consumption and how to consume it Mm. in a better way. The question in my mind is like, how do I tell documentary stories? So what did I do? I started watching documentaries with this question Mm. in mind. So I would watch it for entertainment first and then watch it again for how did they structure this? What questions did they ask to elicit oh, this from engineer. the person in front of mm-hmm. the camera? Yeah, so I'm just doing reverse engineering of all of these great documentaries. Yeah. And now I had templates, like different methodologies and frameworks mm. to work in. And it's like, okay, which of these is going to be applicable for the project that I'm working on? And I took the different mm. pieces, kind of strung them together. And I, you know, I released a few episodes of this documentary with Webflow. And it was a fantastic project for me. It was like I challenged myself in so many different mm. ways learn something new and you know i i still earn money from that and it was it was fantastic mm. and that was one of a couple of things that have gone on uh the thing we were talking about earlier is uh grove made so grove made they make uh beautiful desk accessories out of portland uh they knew me for all of the content i made around the desk uh mm-hmm. setup space we were very aligned in how we think and as soon as i quit it wasn't only a few weeks after, they're like, hey, do you want to design a product with us? Yeah, there you go. And I said, hey, you know, I'm not an industrial designer. I'm not a product designer. Yeah. And they're like, but yeah, but that's not what yeah. we need. Yeah, you're you're like the power user. Yeah. We want to we wanna get into how you think, how you work, and then build a product mm-hmm. around that. Natural. And so that, 
very there was a long two-year process in between many things that we're mm. working on and it just released last month and that's been a fantastic congratulations thank you that's so beautiful. much but not everything is no, like, of course not not everything we're, is rainbows and sunshine no. right like yeah w- w- one mm. thing that i got i got a book publishing deal mm. it was a few months out um from quitting and uh editor hit me up and they're like hey I see that you teach stuff online. I see you speak at places. Usually those types of personalities are really good for writing books. Mm -hmm. Do you want to write a book? Have you ever aspired to write a book? I was like, oh, shoot. That sounds good. Publish author. My ego is kind of creeping in. It's like publish author. Heck, yeah, let's let's add that to the resume. So for a couple of months, you know, we worked through the negotiations. I got a deal. I started writing my book. And then at every check-in, I started feeling weird. But I didn't listen to mm. it. Like there was something really weird about every time I shared progress, I, I would get weird feedback. And I was like, ah. Can you describe it? It's like weird? my gut is telling me something. Yeah. Weird as in like, hey, I um, I want to make the book about this. And they're like, well, maybe you should kind of make it a little bit oh, like okay. this. So the feedback like, was moving you okay. away from your authentic. Uh, yeah, Compromises. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, you know what? I'm a first time mm. author. I want to get this book made. I'll make sure. the compromise next milestone it's like okay well it's like i really want to make these kind of like a self-help book some self-help creative book you know something paperback something really small that you could toss in your gym bag it'll get beat up you'll highlight it like Usable. there's a book that i see in my mind yeah that it's a book that I, that's very yeah. useful it's a book yeah. i want and then they're like yeah but you know maybe you should try this size like eight by ten I was like, 8 by 10 that's kind of big. <laughs> yeah. and I can't throw that in my bag. And they're like, yeah, but, you know, just just try it. And I was like, okay. So I designed the book, like a good chunk of the book. Yeah. And then I presented it to them. It's like, okay, I did it your way. I still want to write the book this size. And they're like, we're not changing the size of the book. Uh, I was like, what? Because it costs. <laughs> exactly. They said, if you make your book any smaller, we can't charge over $30 or whatever for sure. it. And that changes the whole structure of the deal. I was like, I wasn't aware mm. of that. No one told yeah, me that. Yeah. And now I feel like I'm just filling your pages rather than writing yeah, a book. Yeah. I'm done with this. Mm. And I'm just like, I wow. left the deal. Good for you. I'm not, uh, yeah. It's like, okay, I have a half cooked book somewhere well, here. It'll come out. And you I finish and it. I, yeah. yeah. Well, actually, uh, yeah. When, oh, when it's well, right. I mean, hopefully it, the, the, what you've made isn't uh, intrinsically connected and definitely to the uh, these people it depends on your contract and how you dealt with it but yeah no I, I oh, retained all the IP great. so it's, Reta- it's all uh, re- mine IP retention to, please if everybody's listening retain your IPs uh, at yeah. all costs yeah yeah, yeah they, they don't own it so it's like oh, there was no money exchange like it was very mm. clean it's like okay this is mine stuff you guys keep whatever mm. and that was nothing pretty much because I did all the work well, that's at great. that point that's good so, to know yeah that, that book is going to get made yes. eventually it's just a natural like a, yeah. it's just a matter of one I always use the analogy. It's like when you close a window or you you open up a door, you know, you let the wind through the house. And and when you close one door, Mm -hmm. you don't know. And when you're putting, when you're casting as wide a net as you are on YouTube and, 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 and the other platforms Mm -hmm. in which you share yourself with, you're going to get these weird things. that's going to come at you that you never even thought like, Oh, a yacht designer. It's like a, somebody's private desk in a yacht. Like this is weird, you know? Right. But then there you are in the Mediterranean (laughs) sea talking about desk. I don't know. Right. On a yacht. It's like, this is good. Life is crazy. Life is, 
life is, uh, if you put yourself out there, life can really be a voyage of a discovery, which is as you discovered, which is cool. I'm, I'm looking forward to that book and reading mm-hmm. it and supporting it by buying it at some point. So yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure it'll happen. That's actually really smart too. It's always like you need to make the thing that you are most interested in, which is again to yeah. the why, you know, so, and you mentioned, yeah. And not letting the ego get in the yeah. way, because I think that was the thing that was holding me on yeah. for so long. Because it was at a, by the time I quit or left that publishing deal, it felt like I was already pulled in so many yeah. directions. And I was like, "Why am I still yeah. doing this?" And my wife was the one oh. who's like, "You know, f those <laughs> fools! Like, why, why, why are you even, oh, why are you even making compromises mm-hmm. with them? It's your book." And I'm like. You're right. And that was such a huge relief. And it was one of those things. It was a hard learning lesson, but I learned so much from the process. Regardless that that book has not been made, it's like I learned how to write a book for the same reason with the documentary and the product. It's like I don't know how to write a book. Let me research how to write a book. Let me study the books that I like. Mm. And now I feel very good about that process that if I when the timing is right, I can complete something. Like I love that. that. And that's good to look at it. And that's another stoic nature thing. It's like you look at every lesson, good and bad and extract from it, you know, and also shout out to your wife for seeing the, the, the vision clear. My wife is the same yeah. thing. She's like the canary in the, the you know, yeah. the, the coal miners coal uh, little tunnel, whatever. Yeah. She's the one just says, right. no, 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 this is, this is whack. Yeah. Screw that. Like, like you yeah. need to f- focus on you cause you're not happy and all these kind of things. But it is, that's right. an interesting thing to say that the, your ego, you had so much invested in. You're like, I've already come this far. I need to just finish it. But yes. bless you for not compromising and having enough mental fortitude to say like, I'm willing to take a risk. I'm willing to take a big loss for my own sanity. Mm-hmm. And that's really good. When you get into these situations and man, I don't know how to describe how many times I've been in that exact position, position <laughs> because a lot of my <laughs> dreams, goals and aspirations acquire me to, to, to work with others. I love it and I hate that. I, I, I love it mm-hmm. when there's alignment. I hate it when there's yeah. not. And when I make something with full intention and they come back with the notes and stuff and it's like, what are we doing here? Are we making the thing or are we right. making your thing? Or are we not making either of them? And right. when did no one to right. compromise? You know, which is, right. uh, there's no, because if, if we really truly believe that, that, a, that artist's objective and opinions are, are nullified zero sum everything then their opinions mm-hmm. are right and yours are right mm-hmm. so therefore it's a matter of mm-hmm. personal happiness and then you go okay well i'm not happy right now <laughs> it's it's really tricky right so the future right. for you because i know we're wrapping it up here and be cautious of our time mm-hmm. i'm really happy that we managed to do two hours I, th- I was worried that we would only have one hour and i really wanted to get into this with you the future mm-hmm. for you what are we looking at what's if we have this conversation in one year and then year yeah. five, what, where are you at? Where do you want to be and where are you putting yourself in the universe? Yeah. I mean, I don't look that far ahead. It's really hard to know what I'm even doing. Oh, next right. Week. Interesting. So, well, yeah. So while on the outside, it might look like I'm a very meticulous mm. planner and there is an intensity to that. I think I'm so focused on the thing right in front of me of the thing that I'm excited or curious Mm -hmm. about that I can't see anything else and that includes like the planner uh, a year Mm -hmm. from now but what I can tell you is like some things that are in motion I already have a few other products in kind of like the desk accessory space and the keyboard space that I I'm designing right now so it's it's fun like these things that were just passion projects before have now become something where I get to engage I get to 
uh, express my you know my version my artistry out there and then you know looping that into a commerce aspect learning how to make um, revenue from that and kind of expanding my business for me the big thing is building this separate kind of creative studio or persona called mod musings Mm -hmm. which uh you know it's it's it's, um it's it's my second instagram account that it's my my brand now like that's the name of my company and i want to see that i think my my aspiration is to be somebody like like a massimo vignelli or somebody who is they're like i'm a designer but for what industry and for what product can be for many things (laughs) yeah and and for for him there's a very famous quote he's like if you can design one thing you can design anything and i'm i really feel that it's a truth and i i purse it is the truth it's just an approach of how you see solving a problem and coming up with novel interesting um solutions for that and I'm I'm definitely in what I feel is a personal renaissance where that could be anything, mm-hmm. and I'm not putting big expectations other than what am I curious, what am, what makes me happy right now, and then how can I overlap all of these things between joy and commerce and mm-hmm. you know bringing in an audience that also is interested in these things. How can I fold these up in a way that kind of makes sense where there's not a lot of friction and it's easy for me to do these things. Mm-hmm. So you can stay in your place of like I think that you've probably experienced it and not you've experienced enough life to know when there's a lot of friction here and then there's a little bit here less it's still hard which is great you can't make everything easy but right but there's less friction which makes it even more enjoyable so you can be in that bubble of muse and live friction free mm. that that is ultimately a goal but you only get there by risk taking by planning by intention by asking yourself why when you wake up in the morning mm-hmm. can you give us a routine i would like to know the morning how you start and yeah. then i like to know how you end your day too i'm curious of that yeah so every day usually starts around 6 a.m either i just wake up because i can't sleep anymore mm. or my dog chewy is like licking <laughs> me on the face like it's time to go out <laughs> human and you need to get up anyway so 6 a.m i get up I'll take my dog out and then usually I'll make a coffee and then just get right to work. I'll sit at my computer mm-hmm. and usually from seven till noon, I just am working. Like whatever the thing is in front of me, whether that's designing or writing or kind of like catching up on Hardest projects. Hardest task like in I'm the beginning? In it. Hardest task or um, do you plan the night before I, too? I don't know if it's, I don't, I don't wow, plan the night before. I just like I I always hit the ground running because I I feel genuinely excited about a lot of the mm, stuff I'm working makes on. Makes sense. So, and you know, and some of those things, um, they just need to get done too, right? There's real deadlines for things, and it's like if that's the case, then those are the things that take priority. And I get myself hyped up and excited about those mm. things. So sometimes, for instance, like editing a video, for instance. Um, it's not necessarily the most fun thing in the world, but I kind of mentally shift. It's like, I'm excited to launch this video. Yeah. So all of a sudden, like all of my energy and momentum is driven towards that. So, you know, those are the types of projects that happen in the yeah. morning. Usually around that time between 7 and 12, I will mix in uh, a workout. So what I'll do is like I'll work for maybe like two hours or something. And then it's like, OK, well, I need to get out of my chair. And I'm going to start working out. So I'll do some kind of workout routine where I have sets. Where it's like, okay, I'm going to do you know 16 reps of this thing. 
and then I need to take a five minute break. And in that five minute break, sometimes I will jump right back onto my computer and start designing or working on something or consuming some content that's going to be helpful for me uh, relative to what I'm working on. And then and then just intermittently kind of bring my workout into my work. And it's weird because it's those moments where uh, where sometimes I get my best ideas, mm. right? Just like you, for you, for your run, for me, that's my workout. And I just, I intermingle it with mm. my work. And I do it all in the same room in this home mm. office here. Interesting. Well, it's good so, that you take care of your physical yeah. too. And waking up as early as six is also really, really interesting too. And do you do a cold shower and all that kind of stuff? I can't. No. No, it's I've tried. gnarly. It's yeah, hard. <laughs> I'm like, I don't enjoy yeah. this. And it's already hard for me to get up this early. So I'm like, I'm not doing this. Yeah. <laughs> but it does yeah. build mental yeah. toughness. That's for sure. I did jujitsu for like seven sure. years. And like jujitsu's whole practice is to humble yourself through a full on battle and, and mental and physical battle, mm-hmm. which is really difficult, obviously. And but the cold showers reminded mm-hmm. me of like being in the pinnacle crush of jujitsu's like grip, basically. And I was like, oh, this is. Okay, so, and I mm-hmm. recently got into coffee as well, thanks to you, thanks to a bunch of my friends. <laughs> also, like, because I'm big into cycling, and the cycling community is big into coffee as well. My wife's been drinking it her, mm-hmm. for forever, and, and so that's been really interesting. Um, but the coffee mm-hmm. thing is, is a, yeah, I guess it's a, yeah, it's a, it's another vice. It's, we love wine too. We live in wine country, yeah. so it's like, we just adore mm-hmm. drinking wine from the, the, so it's, I kind of equated the same thing. The first time I had wine, I was like, this is, tastes horrible. Same coffee. This is horrible. And then I'm like, right. okay, it's a little <laughs> less bad here. And this is a little bit better. And right. Yeah. And then you just kind of find your niche. You know, yeah. The obsessions come in. Yeah. Your obsessions <laughs> yeah. come in. Yeah. So, I mean, for me to go back to mm. my day, like, you know, I usually work up until okay. noon. And then at that point, um, that's when I'll take a shower. And after that, usually I'll head to the oh, office. Oh, noon shower. So I have a studio. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I'll take a shower in the middle of the wow, day. Wow, your process then, is totally different like, from everybody's. <laughs> yeah. Well, so it's like, then it's like, this. I consider that the start of my real day. Mm. I almost for, ignore mm. or forget that I did four hours of work in the oh. morning. Because, like, I'll shower because... Um, usually around that time is when my wife heads into work. She's a tattoo mm. artist and she goes in late and stays at the shop mm-hmm. late. So we kind of leave around uh, like a later than usual time. So I, I try to align my schedule with her so we could Dinner spend time and stuff. more time yeah. together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's like, okay, she goes to work and I'll head to work around like one or two. Your studio is somewhat close then, in proximity so you're not wasting time. Yeah, yeah. That's good. Yeah, exactly. It's about like a 20 minute mm-hmm. drive. So it's just enough where it's like I'm far enough away where once I get to the studio, mm-hmm. All I can do is work. Yeah. Like I can't, I'm not distracted by the things at home. And um, my studio space, like, I mean, I, I it's love beautiful. being there, but typically yeah. the things, thank yeah. you. Um, things I do there mostly is just like shooting and editing. Mm. Cause like that space, I built it to be photogenic and for it to host all the things that I want to capture for my content. So the second half of the day for a couple of hours is either filming something, building something there or editing. Mm. And that usually takes me until the evening. And I'll eat somewhere in between there. I usually fast until... Oh, do you do the intermittent stuff too where you keep it in a window? Is that intentional or is that not intentional? uh, It was something that I was very intentional a few Mm -hmm. years ago. And it just kind of stuck with me. Yeah, it becomes just routine. It just feels very natural. Yeah, it just feels very natural. Are you good with your diet or are you bad with it? 
Um, it mm. depends. I've been very good lately. Because of routine? So, um, at the, yeah. Yes. At, at the peak of, uh, what do you call it, of me releasing my product with Grove Made, that's when I had so many things stacked up and I was very much in mm. the work and not working on ah, myself. Okay, yeah. So after that point, I was like at my heaviest mm. weight uh, in my entire life. But ever since I launched that, it's like, okay, I'm going to d- redirect that energy back on myself and reprioritize um, health, uh, workout, all that stuff. And, you know, since I launched that a month ago, I l- I've already lost like seven mm. pounds. So I'm like yeah. trimming back down again. I'm like, okay, I know I've done this before. Like I've I've been very obsessed with my health mm. and workouts before when I was, you know, young 20s. Yeah. You know, That's that good. Was, and yeah, so it's like, okay, I just need to revert back to that. Let me build this back into my system. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, that. Um, you guys like to cook I, too? You I've and your wife like to cook? Yeah. Cooking yeah, so do. fantastic. It's my favorite art form because you can consume it. It's the most usable art form. It's giving life too. It's, fun. it's one of my favorite things to do for people yeah. I love. It's like, I'm going to cook you something because yeah. I love you and I want you to enjoy yeah. like food <laughs> yeah. in my way. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it is interesting. I love cooking because it's also another activity that makes it so I cannot think about work. Mm-hmm. It takes me completely out of work because I have to really focus on what I'm cooking. Yeah. Yeah. Because there's an art into that too, yes. right? It's like, how am I cutting these mushrooms or how am I searing the steak, the timing on yeah. that? Like those things are so critical that I can't even, yeah, I'm present in that. Mm. And I love that. It's like, okay, for two hours, it's like it's mealtime. Yeah. And I can't even think about wow, work, two which hours. is good because- I need this two-hour dinner. Yeah. That sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> you, you and your wife don't have kids? No, no. Just You're not planning dog. to have kids? <laughs> Uh, yeah. I don't know yet. I don't know yet. It's something I, I love the idea yeah. of it. I haven't completely warmed up to it. And I, I know there's many, many factors in yeah. there. But, you know, if it happens, it'll I didn't happen. think so, but I didn't. I wouldn't just. Uh, yeah, because it makes sense. It's a whole different thing, a different yeah. dynamic to your life that would probably shift it. Oh, I would just flip sure. it upside down. Yeah. It's it's another yeah. project to invest into uh, another a tiny human it's being. The, and, this is the biggest project. <laughs> The biggest project after yeah. dinner time. I know we're almost done here. <laughs> after dinner time, yeah, yeah, just hang out, do like because my wife and I will watch like a show or something. We're watching Dave right now. Have you yeah. seen Dave? I have not started it. <laughs> so yet. good, it's quite yeah. brilliant. Uh, it's on Hulu. It's really good. But anyways, we we do, we just finished the Bear, which was really fantastic as well. I that was that really show. well done. Yeah. I used to be a chef in kitchen, like a cook, and it was like. It's mm. the first time I've ever mm. experienced a show that makes you feel like the pressure of being in a, a functioning, oh. dysfunctioning restaurant. It's the hardest right. job, the most horrible. <laughs> I'm I'm glad you confirmed that because I, I thought it, it felt kind of truthful. I read some of Anthony Bourdain's mm. books and like uh, Kitchen Confidential yeah. was one that I really enjoyed from him. I didn't mm. finish it, but the way he describes that environment it sounds so yeah. chaotic it sounds like you're just putting band-aids on everything <laughs> to make it work and somehow you get no. through uh you know you get through dinner oh, you get crazy. through service somehow every day it's a miraculous and there's that it two even happens that's worlds too. you have it. this world of chaos behind and then you have this world of yeah. tranquility yes. in the front it's the most hypocritical yes. ironic thing that exists i love open yeah. concept restaurants because i love seeing the pressure of the right. system working you know so but yeah yeah, right. kitchen confidentials on my list too. But yeah, um, yeah, yeah. That 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 shows. But yeah, but yeah. 
Yeah, but I'm the same way. Usually by the end of the day, it's like, okay, I don't, I want to turn off everything. I want to slowly wind down. And usually it's with, with mm. shows. So shows or movies is what we'll, we'll consume at the end of the day. And we both get tired by then. And Nine? I usually fall asleep oh, on okay. the couch around like oh, 10, 10, around 10, 10, okay. 30. Yeah. But you know, then I'll wake up intermittently because my, my, my wife is more of a mm. night owl. She wakes up much later than I do. And Sometimes I get dragged into that and my schedule gets <laughs> shifted, but I always wake up at 6 a.m. regardless. Like I cannot like a, not sleep a body past that. clock. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Well, it's also because the sun is coming ah, up okay. at that time. That's good. Yeah. So like I think my body knows. It's like, okay, sunlight is starting. Do you go to straight into up. sun when you yeah. wake up? I heard that's really interesting. I've been doing that, which is interesting, like embracing the sun as like upon wake up, which is like stimulates some stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I have to because I have yeah, to take my go. dog out. So he yeah. forces me to good. do he's it. You, yeah, he's <laughs> which I love. That time to meditate and think about it. And then, yeah, so 10 o'clock, yeah. well, that makes sense. Dude. Yeah, 10, 10 to 12. It just, it really depends on how tired I get. And <laughs> I guess what we Yeah, yeah. If, whether it's like a carb heavy and you're just like carb load and <clears> pass <throat> out. I've heard it's really bad too. Right. I mean, there's so many things, right? This is, I've been getting into the physiology of my own body because I'm, 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 of course, like you, I'm very obsessed with things. So I was like, let me ride a bike. And I was yeah. like, okay, let me ride a bike really fast. Okay. And then I'm like, let me build a crazy custom bike to go really fast. And now I'm like, now I need to set records mm-hmm. and like, I'm trying to smash it. And I, right. And so, but I realized, right. oh, the bike is as best as I can make it. Now it's my body and then right. it's my mind. It's the and rider. Like, oh, now <laughs> yeah. I need to understand nutrition and what I'm consuming mm. and when I consume it and how I consume it and, and how I train for that and how I train my body to take mm-hmm. in oxygen and it's just a whole, it's a whole thing. I don't know why I'm talking about this. Mm-hmm. I think it's just obsession, but the, the, oh, yeah, yeah, obsession. Yeah, yeah, yeah I get yeah. it. <laughs> it's, yeah. Those, those nuances, like uh, we talked about earlier, the details make oh, a yeah. difference. Marginal right? so, gains is what we call it so. in cycling. It's called marginal gains. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, mm-hmm. it's the little incremental things that add up to it. So, um, marginal yeah, cause everything gains. like with it, this is called time trialing is what I'm really interested in too. So it's like, um, how you move your body through time. It's called the race of truth, which is, I also love it. It's a rider, the bike mm. and against time. And there's no like mm. other human involved with it. The usually it's done in a velodrome, which is an internal like inside room basically mm-hmm. that has like climate controlled to it. So yeah. So it's just like definitive, you know, if you are a world record right. holder at this duration at this time, if you did the hour record, I've had Dan Bigham in right. he, on the podcast. He's an hour record holder, which is like there's a certain levels of athletes and that's like mental toughness is like an hour of full mm-hmm. pain. <laughs> it's a whole nother level. These guys, yeah, their obsessions crazy. But I love it. This it's 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 another thing to 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 fill your life with. It's a curiosity to fill it in with too. So but yeah. I mean I don't want to get on a tangent. Matthew, you're awesome. <laughs> I I really adore what you're doing. It's 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 fantastic. I wish I was able to meet you physically at camp. Uh, maybe someday we can meet in person. That'd be fantastic. Yeah. Please keep doing sure. your path. You're inspiring me and many others. And I appreciate you taking your time out of your busy life to share it with the rest of us. So thank you. Oh, thank you for inviting me on here, asking good questions, and then sharing your perspective on this uh, creative journey that we all get to uh, go out on individually. And it's it's fun to be able to explore myself and share that with others, and then witness people like you take a completely different path and see where the 
paths cross over from time to time. <laughs> Absolutely. This podcast seems to be that watering hole for it also, which is a nice conduit. <laughs> so thanks, man. Appreciate you. Take it easy. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> yeah.